0: hey shut up <laughs> no one can see it but Ben's beautiful
1: gay curses <laughs> is
2: an inspiration t- to queer I do penmanship I very good handwriting I will wasn't there the that gay compliment.
1: twitter handwriting thread <laughs> whenever <laughs> yes. I
2: send someone who has never seen my handwriting a picture of a note that I've written they're like they oh they will God. be like you
1: have beautiful penmanship and I'm like, I know You should I do. know I'm aware um the only thing I wanted to say was um, I thought it was a very strong year in film, but so, I also feel like I say that about every single year. Yeah, there's yeah, always I do too. there's always if you seek out enough, there's always something that's going to resonate with you. But this year especially, I think for me personally, this year especially was extra strong because of one film in particular. But we'll get to that. <laughs> I don't mean to devalue anyone else's critical
0: lens if they do watch a lot of movies and they think it was a subpar year for film, whether it was this year or 2014 or 1991, I don't give a shit. But I do think the secret to realizing that every year is a good year for cinema is just watching a lot of movies mm-hmm. and watching little movies and watching big studio that you weren't expecting to be good. Mm-hmm. Or movies like Logan Lucky, that is not on my list, but I think that movie has so much to say. I'm about surprised that time. fell off your list. Well... You know, I'll read my 25 uh, in a second, but ultimately uh, Logan Lucky was vying with a few other films in there, and I think the other ones uh, either speak to the moment or speak to my taste more, but I think Logan Lucky is an exciting return to the cinema for Steven Soderbergh that has so much on its mind and is ultimately um, a bit... By bit, look at the American entertainment industrial complex and how it is one of my favorite and how it, Oh, no, no, sure, go for it.
1: I, I was just gonna say, it has one of my favorite scenes of the year, which is which is uh, the little girl singing that oh, song, on Country stage. Road, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. What's his face song, John Denver, yeah. Ooh, that's another trend in movies, that's a this big year. trend this year. Every movie has a John Denver song. Well, that.
0: what's great about using John Denver and Logan Lucky is how they point out that John Denver is not from the south. Um, didn't grow up around a country road. Like, it is a piece that was designed to appeal to a certain sector of folks. Right. And it's not chastising him for that, but the movie in a lot of ways talks about how big corporate entities are um, are pandering to poor people and stealing mm-hmm. all of their money. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and this movie is is a Robin Hood type uh, theft back from the 1% to give it yeah. back to the people. Nice. I have but a lot Hillary of love for Hilary Swank. Money. Doing her best Clint Eastwood.
2: <laughs>
1: Hilary Swank. I really enjoyed that movie.
0: It's great. It's great. it's a great movie. Um I'm excited to see what else Soderbergh does now that he's returned to
2: film. Soderbergh also I missed has The Neck. I was just thinking about this the other day. Is it I canceled? The Neck,
1: yeah. Oh. I never watched it. Neither did I, which is a problem. It's a great movie. It it seems right up my alley. (laughs) A 17-hour movie. Mm -hmm. How long is it? Two seasons? It's two
2: 10-episode seasons.
0: So, Ben, should we expect to see Twin Peaks The Return on your list today, as you are categorizing the Nick as... Oh, yeah. uh,
2: Twin Peaks is not. Twin Peaks is the cinematic event of the century so far. (laughs) It is not on my list because it is a TV show, in my opinion.
1: I can't wait to dig into my Blu-ray. I love an
0: opinion.
2: Um... Let's do it let's let's do it, do it. all okay, right so we're gonna want to start so we we've drawn straws backstage to see who goes first. I was gonna say Brandon goes first because he's <laughs> in charge of this episode. I'm
0: in charge. <laughs> you are the captain now. And I'll, as the serial of the podcast, you have and, always been the captain. And I
1: actually would really like to open with this one. Okay. Um, it's, it's on neither of your guys' list. Wait, hold
0: on. Can we just say what we're going to be doing right now? So we're reading 25 through 16. Yes. And then we're going to go one by one for 15 through 1. Yes.
1: Yes. Cool. So we're naming the films 25 through 16. And then, yeah, 15 through 1, we will explain, we will dive in mm-hmm. to those ones. Um, and there's a lot of overlap between ours, but some, some not overlap. Very exciting. Um, Okay, so number 25 on my list is... um, I really want this movie, since I saw it um, in theaters, I really want it to be on my list, and I'm glad we expanded it to 25 so I could get it on my list. It's Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman. Nice. Hmm. Which is uh, the thing that saved DC from complete disarray this year. (laughs) Um, And it's just really... It's a really solid movie. I've only seen it the one time in theaters, um, but I can't wait to revisit it. That No Man's Land scene is like an all-timer for me. It's really, really strong. Can
0: me. I say something about this movie quickly? Because it's not yes. on my list and this yes. is my only chance. Yes. yes. <laughs> and, and now I'm, and now I'm uh, unable to speak. It's an anti-war film, which is radical, considering mm-hmm. uh, the subject matter and its time period. And she just wants to do good. And ultimately, it, it is a movie for our times, and that it is about empathy it is about understanding others, it is mm-hmm. about curiosity, and it is about not being trigger happy. It's about understanding that maybe we should take a step back from the like big dick swagger of our leaders whose every impulse is to fire mm-hmm. rather than think. And Wonder mm-hmm. Woman is the perfect
1: avatar for thinking before we speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it utilizes the female gaze. Yes. Looking at Chris Pine's nude body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I it. think
2: it makes studio filmmaking look easy.
1: Yes, and yeah, that was all I thought about when I
2: watched. <coughs> excuse me, the movie. Mm-hmm. I just—it's also not on my list, but it was very close to being on my list.
0: It's also yeah. invested in its ensemble in a way that most other superheroes aren't. Su- superhero movies aren't, and I include the Avengers in that. Like, it, it is actually curious about who the people are, not just what their stance is. Like in Civil War, which is the most boring civics lesson of all time. Um, and I just think about a lot of the, um, wide shots of our merry band of English rebels Mm. behind enemy lines in that town after the shootout. Um, anyway, it it is a lovely
1: movie, Brandon. Yeah. I know we're not supposed to dive into our, (laughs) I just want to say that for specifically for Wonder Woman. I will not do that with the rest of mine. Okay. Um, 24 is Okja. 23 is Coco. 22 is The Ornithologist, shout out to Paul Hammie's Dick, <laughs> 21 is A Fantastic Woman, 20 is Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> it has, I am repping it for the movie's IMO team, nice. it is on no one else's list, congratulations, I, I, I'm really glad <laughs> I that you did, I loved it when I saw I, it, I'm
0: really glad that you did, because I think, I think that Ben is wrong uh, to dismiss this movie. I think, as a work of capital C cinema, it is a staggering achievement. It is a staggering achievement. It's not in my top 25, but I'm glad that someone brought it up because I I, I felt something. I just don't think you can talk about the year in cinema without talking about Dunkirk. Yeah, which. I
1: agree. You need to bring it up, I think.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad that you did because it's not on. You know what? It's not on my list either, Ben, because it didn't make me feel a whole hell of a lot either. Hey. when it yeah. comes to the camera, when it comes to the editing, when it comes to what the movies can do with time and space, I think that it is a staggering achievement. Whether it, it, or not it moves me,
1: it moved. I felt empathy for the twinks on the boat, <laughs> the twinks in the on the beach, mm-hmm. and the twunk in the sky. Thanks. I felt it all. Great.
0: What That's... about the dumb the dumb twunk on the boat, played was, by a
1: serial killer for killing of a sacred deer? <laughs> there was a dumb twunk on the boat. Dead twunk. <laughs> 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 All right, so that's 20. All right, 19 is Nocturama. Ben, thank you so much for <laughs> dragging me Making to me that. Making me go see that movie because it is it is really good. Um, it should probably be higher on my list. Um, also, the sh- I wish was higher on my list is Sofia Coppola's The Beguiled. Um, 17, which is at 18. 17 is The Shape of Water. 16 is Beach Rats. Hell yeah. Nice.
2: Who's next? Me? Yeah. Go for it. Uh, 25, Oakja, 24, Staying Vertical, which has a rock-hard penis in it. Uh, <laughs> and a baby being
0: born.
1: Yeah. I love that birth scene. I will never forget it for as long as I live. Yeah. For as long as I live. And for, I'm so glad it's on your list. <laughs> number
2: 23, which, if you'd asked me two years ago if I thought this movie would be number one, I would have said yes, is Wonderstruck. I'm glad it's uh, on the list. 22, Coco. 21 good time mm. 20 the big sick 19 bpm 18 my entire high school seeking into the sea the best animated film of the year
1: Woo! yeah like how is it not how
2: like, i know how? i know because no it, one saw it it had no release i think no one saw it, it.
1: was shortlisted right
2: I don't know. A, was I it not know. even sure? I, I, like, I don't no think it
1: wasn't. That. I'm just not positive about that. It's just like no one anyway. It is it is I agree. It yeah. is the best animated film of the year. Yeah. Okay, we'll get into war. Uh, war Seventeen Ooh, plug.
2: Mother. Sixteen. Woo. The Florida Project. Oh, that's a lovely little list.
3: Yeah.
2: Anything in there that you wanna expound upon? Yes. Only movies that are coming up. Oh,
0: nice. I'm thrilled that BPM made your list. We had quite a fight on that episode. That
2: was Heated. It's and, a movie that I said I liked a lot. Yes, I mean but I, I do have
1: notes. People have people can have notes. I, I regret the confrontation. But I have I'm, notes I'm about movies list.
2: all the way up through like number seven. Nice.
0: Meanwhile, my like two through eight could all be are all interchangeable yes. at a certain level. All right, um, my turn. Twenty-five. God's Own Country. Twenty-four. Wonderstruck. The third act of Wonderstruck is my favorite movie of the year. Nice. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about Wonderstruck real quick We talked about it on the podcast This is a movie that I think Works more on an intellectual level Than it does on an emotional level Until the third act Because all the pieces are there like All the worlds are so lived in um, But I think that the Connective tissue between the two stories Is never fully ingrained And that keeps you away from like, your heart From fully investing But none of it matters by the time it ends um, I don't know why I'm criticizing the movie when what I just wanted to say is that I love the electric guitars in this score. This is one of, my, one oh, of the best scores of the year. Yeah, forgot about that And score. one of my favorite reveals in a movie this year is little Pete's Dragon Boy um, getting off at the Port Authority into like swinging modern 1970s New York with that great funk music in the mm-hmm. background. Mm-hmm. It is just an electric, exciting moment of discovery. And I love that, too. And I think that Wonderstruck might age like a fine wine as
2: time goes by. I, I hope. I think it will. I think, because it will. Every, I think people are going to rediscover it in, I like, still five years. Just ha- I, just, I don't know if the child performances are going to get better for me.
0: I think Millicent Simmons is really great. She is. Yeah, she's... Um, she's Oaks Fegley she's, is the name of the boy. She's going to be the a... The boys are yeah, tough
1: for me. Yeah, but she's, she's like, going to be a... Not a star, but, like, she's going to... She's already, so she already continuing to work. She's great. She's already in that that Emily Blunt, Be Quiet horror Mm -hmm. movie.
0: I just think from a craft perspective, this movie is across the board's excellent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Across the board, excellent. Anyway, uh, 23 is Mudbound. Woo! 22 is Mother! Exclamation point. Um, Eliza Hittman's Beach Rats, one of the most exciting new filmmakers on the horizon. Uh, Big Sick at 20, Loveless at 19, David Lowry's a ghost story at eighteen, Sophia's the Beguiled, and then in what I wish was higher, but I was being true to myself and I love the other fifteen movies more, is Olivier Assayas's personal shopper. Texting a ghost. Mm-hmm. Texting a ghost. I text in with the ghost.
1: Oh, that is good.
2: <laughs> I said please.
1: Um, okay, so should I begin with fifteen? Yeah. Fifteen is Robin Campillo's BPN, which also landed on your guys' list, but it is highest on mine. Uh, I don't know. Incorrect. We're... Wait, you really? Haven't it. I haven't said it. Oh, you haven't said it yet. Oh, no! Nope. Spo- spo- spoiler alert. We'll get to it in about three hours once we move <laughs> our way up the list. Yeah. So I don't need to say anything. Okay, bye. I mean, you oh no! Say something. You can say what you want now if you want. Um, just really moved me. It's just really beautiful. It's a great gay story. I think it's the best. LGBT film of the year call me by your name oh oops whatever <laughs> <laughs> that movie's like so <laughs> talked about already um, <laughs> okay second best um but I just I just love that movie a lot um I think uh, Robin compute is a very exciting director working right now um and I wish it was gonna win the Academy Award it is a travesty that it was not shortlisted mm-hmm. yep I think you really put the emphasis in
0: short in short list, and you don't have a movie as Titanic as BPM it in that is, list.
2: Yeah, it's oh it's God. just like I've seen uh, four movies on the short list so far, and I don't like any of them. And it's just like how
1: how how do how, you overlook this? How, how is BPM
2: not on the list? The
1: performances are amazing. It's Ben they must <gasps> not have liked the color palette very much. All right, it's gentlemen. I just, it's I'm just Alma. Alma, stop it's a criticism i still have um fair you're allowed to sure
0: i mean i've already mentioned one movie on the short list i think loveless is kind of a devastating masterpiece i I love i
1: do love loveless
0: i think that the uh lead actress uh, who's like ben i'm not no i don't think ben needs to talk about loveless unless he wants to no one's gonna force ben to talk about loveless i don't want to talk about it yeah that's what i I figured you didn't want to be pushed I think that. Uh, I, don't really even I you could ask me and I have nothing to say. Miss Spivak, whatever her first name is in Loveless, who plays the mother, gives one of the most um, cruel and surprisingly compassionate performances of the she year. She immediately captivates me. Yeah. Uh, mood. Her, scrolling, mood, through her scrolling through Instagram and drinking a glass of red wine it's, while staring daggers at her husband. Yeah, mood. that movie just has so much to say. I mean. You'll
1: talk about it. Are you? Already, no, know? no, you it, it was number uh, um, 19
0: for me. I think it's a sly political allegory.
1: Yeah. Um, that and, shot of her in the snow on the treadmill. I thought it was a slow push. Wearing,
0: wearing the, the Russian Olympic uniform, um, which is a beautiful, well, it is beautiful, but it is also just a very provocative visual statement mm-hmm. about the state of that state yeah. at the moment. I'm on a was, treadmill. I thought that was going to be Soaked in national shot. glory. Uh, yeah, I thought it was too. Uh, But in a way it is because you go from there just to that same overhead shot of the tree and that really striking, like, repetitive piano chord. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, I'll just say this about Loveless and then we're done. I think it also has one of the best shots of the year, which is that after the maelstrom of a uh, fight between the two parents... It ends with the mother like running into the bathroom mm. and then exiting the room and slamming the door, revealing the child who has been hiding behind the door, who is just sobbing and, and
1: just the most uncomfortable, sad. I did like that shot. Sobbing yeah. mess. I also it's a didn't great realize show. that shot was in the trailer. Which I I'm never glad... saw. I never saw the trailer. Yeah, I saw the trailer after I saw the movie, so I'm glad I. Yeah. hadn't seen it
0: the movie's just a big punch in the face um,
1: I said it was like so I think my Letterboxd log was it's like a cinder block to the head nice like, I'd like say an, an ice pick to the heart throwing a cinder block at your face <laughs> but in the, in the best way possible
2: Anyway, anyway, Ben, what's your 15? My number 15 is The Post. What? Yes! Mm. Which is the only yes. inclusion of this masterpiece. Hell yeah. I'm so Hell glad, yeah. I'm so glad I it's on there. I wouldn't necessarily call it a masterpiece, but it's a great movie. It's timely. It's a handsome motherfucker. It is visually rapturous. Mm-hmm. It is a beautiful story of a woman coming into her own at an age where we don't really get those kinds of stories about women. Mm-hmm. Um. We've already done a podcast on it. Yeah, I don't. I don't really care about the free press angle of the movie. <laughs> I care about Kay Graham's character. Yeah, that's all I really want to talk about. I,
0: I I talked about this in the podcast, but I will just say again. I think that what Spielberg has done here is extremely commendable, and that he has given us a story that we need right now. With and the a fact that with he a, was able to pull it to off. to pull it off. Too. Yeah, everybody. I mean, like. All, you know, all kudos to Ridley Scott for reshooting his movie in like 48 hours, but Mm -hmm. Steven Spielberg shot an entire movie on a moment's notice, Mm -hmm. and the fact that it is as pointed and potent to the times we're living in is a tremendous achievement, Mm -hmm. and the fact that it is just as a vehicle um, for a much-needed political message to the masses, extremely commendable, it's a beautifully made film, Mm -hmm. and I love pretty much everything about it. Yeah. It's not on my list, unfortunately. That's the post and girls trip are the two movies that I wish I had
1: the room. I wish I had room for the most. Yeah, yeah. It is a four star film for me and Logan Lucky, I guess. And the only four star film on my list was Wonder Woman. Nice, nice. All
0: right, uh, my number fifteen is Hong Sang Soo's. Uh, I want to say newest picture, uh, but he released three movies all in the same year, and so that would be crazy. On the Beach at Night Alone. I think Kim Hee gives one of the best performances of the year here um, as an actress who engaged in an affair with a director um, and then finds herself ditched and humiliated and spends the entirety of this film recovering, uh, bopping from place to place, uh, person to person, uh, trying to find some sort of meaning in her lonely uh, hangover. Um, which I don't just mean in terms of like, the aftershock of a relationship, but because she's wasted on soju for most of the movie, right. um, as is uh, to be expected from any Hong Sang-soo picture. I think Kim and he also gives an amazing performance in his other movie from last year, The Day After, and if you've seen Right Now, Wrong Then, she's amazing in that too. I know that we're going to talk about this movie more. Mm-hmm. Um, we are. So I will just say nice. that I've, Spoiler alert. <laughs> I've only seen well. a small handful of Hong Sang-soo movies, but this one was incredibly surprising to me for its depth and pathos. Um, and structurally, he remains as innovative um, as ever. And um, we'll talk about it more later.
1: Yeah. My number 14 is Darren Aronofsky's Mother! Nice. Bing! Exclamation point. Uh, so it's the highest on my list? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The R2 already said it. Okay, so let's talk about it very quickly. It is just a master class of controlled chaos. Mm-hmm. Um and funny, I I gave my list my parents like a list of movies to watch and one of them was Mother and they quite enjoyed it. Yes. I love so. that. Um, I told my mother she was never to see Mother. <laughs> she would yeah. not like it. My parents really enjoyed
2: it, so yeah, I was my, happy to hear. My that. parents would not. Um get down with that ending.
1: Get down. Yeah, that ending. That ending. It's it, it's a movie I, I find myself thinking about still a lot. And I only saw it the one time in theaters. Can't wait to see it again. Um, Jennifer Lawrence's performance is great. Javier Bardem is great. Michelle Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer is so good. Mm-hmm. If She's it weren't for Beyonce, so she
0: would be the iconic connotation with lemonade.
1: <laughs> yeah, right? If this movie came out in a different year, I would hope that it pro- still probably not because it's so controversial but mm-hmm. in a perfect world like Michelle Pfeiffer would be in talks in the conversation right. for best supporting actress um yeah i just oh, think Michelle. how he orchestrates that final sequence where mm-hmm. the house turns into a war zone. A, w- mm-hmm. a war a zone. A refugee crisis. Kristen mm-hmm. Wiig shows up and just starts shooting people point blank. She's judge
0: jury, but especially executioner. And
1: that, and then it goes into the calm of that scene where Jennifer Lawrence is holding out of the baby, trying not to Oof. fall asleep because she knows the minute she... Shuts her eyes, and that's exactly what happens. The baby gets taken away. It's one of
0: the roughest cuts of the year. Yeah, is her. We we, we barely see her fall asleep with the baby cradled in her arms, and then cut to the baby's gone. Yeah, and then we see, as we do a lot of this movie, her point of view of Javier Bardem entering towards the door with the baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Matthew Libatique does some of he does some extraordinary camera work on this Mm -hmm. movie, and it's really remarkable that the film is as uncontrollably broad vast like just in its scope over not just like biblical issues mm-hmm. but human existence period um that so much of the movie is on her face yeah that is just a tremendous achievement to block it in that way to
2: to stage your scenes that right. way it's um, like there're only three shots in the movie there's her face her face over the shoulder and a clean point of view yeah yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah um and and then uh, and then fourth a psychic point of view through the walls of the house yeah <laughs> into that's the, right the heart
1: of her home, Do we know that liquid she was drinking? We still don't we still know. know. I think about it's chlorophyll. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's Mother Earth. She's Mother Earth. <laughs> yeah, and that's the other thing about this movie is that there's so many ways to interpret it, which right. I love. Um, yeah. You know, it's biblical. It's, it's, she's Mother Nature. She, you know, I think they're stuff.
0: all tied in together. Yeah, um, I agree. I really admired Aronofsky's audacity to tell the story of the Bible and to posit that the logical extension of humanity's or Western civilization's most celebrated text the the text that most of western civilization looks to as a north star that the logical extension of it is chaos Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i really admire that about it um and it ties into the way that we completely uh exhaust the earth of its resources because of our own uh our own hubris and thinking Mm -hmm. our own hubris uh that we're the most important beings on this planet because god created us and the bible says the Bible's not about dogs you know Mm -hmm. it's about us um, and, and then I just love the way that it devolves into different sects in the last mm-hmm. 20 minutes um, yeah mother's fucking great mm-hmm. uh, I love this movie yeah I think Jennifer Lawrence uh, is better than most people are giving her credit for yes yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah this movie just got lost in controversy um, but um, it was a huge flop yeah and
2: everyone loves to pile on a flop
1: yeah um, flop on a flop especially Elizabeth Taylor and think she's afraid of Virginia Woolf. flop flop onto a flop okay mm-hmm. Ben Oh, it's me?
2: My number 14 is The Lost City of Z of Zed. Should I say Zed? Yes, that I is won't the be. correct title. <laughs> but that is right. That is the Lost right. The City of Zed. Um, I think it's just this... The last 15 minutes of the movie, I think about once a week, and it just, like, transports me into the most, like, intoxicating of worlds. And I just... It's about these people who get consumed and one person who wants to become consumed and is unable to because of society and i think everyone should watch it it's on amazon prime it is everyone give it a look-see watch it on the biggest screen you it's can. a very it's just a very classical adventure movie that ends with this apocalypse now transcendent moment and tom it, holland has a mustache yeah and it is one of the most breathtaking final shots of the year.
0: Yeah. Next to Tom Holland in drag. My favorite Tom Holland movie moment of the year is him dragging his father <laughs> in a hospital bed about mm-hmm. being an absent daddy. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk more about this movie Great. in a bit. Great. Uh, my number 14 is the Softy Brothers' Good Time. Nice. I think this is the most electrifying experience I had of the movies this year. Um, I As we talked about on an earlier episode, I l- we all love a movie that doesn't introduce its credits until 15 minutes in. Oh, mm-hmm. so good. I think it is an excoriating takedown of the white male perspective, mm-hmm. specifically when it comes to their own invincibility and the trail of um, victims they leave in their wake uh, when they are... When they're like, I don't know, when you think about like a man with a plan, mm-hmm. we're supposed to think there's something noble about that. Um, but in this movie, the man has a plan and he is improvising his way through it, and he sends a girl to jail and he, um, permanently fucks up Barkhad Abdi's brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end, he doesn't even get anything. Um the reason why is because it wasn't such a noble cause in the first place, in fact, it was very selfish. Um, anyway. Craft, oh, Ben, yes, oh, please.
2: I just love the way that the Safdie brothers are able to do very surrealist things in a, just, like, this completely, like, documentary realism yeah. fashion. Yeah. Like, the colors and the, it's, like, a neon bright whenever mm-hmm. I think about this movie. And the red in the, And the red and exa- in the amazing. The oh, start, the, the, the start. red dust that uh, yeah, explodes dust. in the dominoes. Bouncing. And as they run, it's, like, everything around them is also red. Yep. And it's mm-hmm. just, like... It's it it is never like not them.
0: gritty, but it does have a hallucinatory quality to yeah. it in the color and also in the camera movement.
2: It's just like they're very Scorsese-influenced, mm-hmm. and he executive produced this movie, I yep. think. And yeah. like you, they just wear that on their sleeve. It is
0: propulsive from the get-go, and it also tells you exactly what it's going to be, and that we have this amazing shot that zooms into New York City and then lands on this one building where... Uh, Benny Safdie, one of the directors who's playing the mentally challenged younger brother um, is uh, in a therapy session essentially, um, but we see the outside of these buildings and there's a contrast between light and dark which is mm-hmm. what so much of the movie is about um, I I, I want to keep this podcast moving along, but I think that this is a major work by two of the most exciting American filmmakers working today, I think Robert Pattinson gives one of the five best performances of the year um, I think that Connie Nikas uh, deserves a show on Fox News, <laughs> um, and I also love um, uh, Miss Webster, uh, who plays the young girl um, who he, uh, whose grandparents' uh, uh, house he crashes, and then mm-hmm. he tags, she tags along the amusement park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I just think it's um, an exhilarating film with a that gives you like a deep sense of moral rot as well, um, and it has a stunning uh, set of final shots. And I love. Oh, it's great.
1: That I still think about that show. How
0: great is the? So, um, basically, halfway through the movie, our MacGuffin becomes a sprite bottle full of acid, Mm -hmm. um, or that becomes sort of the the object that is moving the plot along anyway. And uh, Robert Pattinson is locked in Barkadabdi's apartment, waiting for a drug dealer to pay him for the acid, which he will then use to break his brother out of jail, Mm -hmm. which doesn't happen. Instead, the Sprite bottle uh, goes flying. (laughs) Um, And and we see in a a huge wide shot from above, we just see it spill empty on top of the roof. Yeah. And it it really, uh, really reinforces this idea of how in vain this entire... Ordeal process was, has been, yeah. mm-hmm. and how little it matters because our protagonist is such a deeply terrible person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's amazing. I think that this movie will only continue to climb in my estimation. Uh, and Jennifer Jason Lee yelling at her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, oh, hold on, I'll that ta- scene. Yeah, one more yeah, thing. Yeah. That scene is covered ingeniously in that we're accustomed to seeing scenes covered in a wide first, and then moving into a double or a two shot, and then going into close ups, and then going to inserts, whatever. This, the geography of this scene. Is so unclear from the get-go because it is primarily told in close-ups. Um, whether it's the um the bail bondsman who is played by a real bail bondsman, really reinforcing the realism of this film between him, Pattinson, and Jennifer Jason Lee on the phone, and then his assistant who is like running the credit card and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. The way that the scene is staged um, in the coverage is that it is all immediate, very tight. Because it's only told through their close-ups, and then we get a wide of the scene, and everyone is a completely different space in the room. And it really speaks to the power of cinema and shot selection, in terms of how you build tension mm-hmm. in a scene. I'm so sorry, I've been talking so long about my number 14. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's worth good time talking about a lot. Good time. I wish and it the was score, the score is unbelievable. Yeah. Yes. Unbelievable. And I love the character actor who plays the therapist, with that uh, mop of white hair. Mm. The end. I thought it was David
1: Cronenberg
0: looks like Cronenberg oh. Cronenbergian mop <laughs>
1: um, my number 13 is Terrence Davies A Quiet Passion which I, yeah, will, baby. I will
2: save to talk about Okay, that's all I'll say uh, my number 13 is After get the it? Storm get the passion <laughs> uh, oh, I love After the Storm yeah. this is.
1: I love weather related narratives <laughs> <maritons. laughs>
2: I would say that this is my first ghost story on the list that we're talking about because it's about his father's death has recently happened and it's about a young not a young man he's like 40 and dealing with his family over the course of what is basically a day I think and overnight and it's just a really beautiful and quiet and it just like feels like a blanket this movie and it's just I don't know there's nothing it's just perfect yeah this is also on Amazon Prime give it a look because no one watched it. No one saw it. No one saw it. We did. I have seen saw it. it. Oh, seen you it. haven't seen it? No, I'm embarrassed about it.
1: <laughs> it's a delightful... I think my log for it was like, it It manages to take existential crisis and tie it with a bow. Like, put, yeah. a, rib, oh. put a ribbon on existential it's crisis. It's really just lovely. and yeah.
2: heard the lead actor is really sensational. Yes. Yeah, He's also very hot.
0: Nice.
1: Always oh, a bonus. <laughs> I, I love hot men. I don't we... know about the two of you. Always I have to point out men. when there's
2: a hot man in one of our movies. <laughs> just, just a capital H hot. Mm-hmm. A, He's hot. A, a hot, a
0: hot. He is a hot. Okay, Daniel. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, sorry. You did a quiet passion so quickly. I'm like, oh really? Already? Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. Well, I'm gonna wait, obviously, on that one. <laughs> Number
0: thirteen is Sebastian Lelio's A Fantastic Woman. <gasps> Um, I am a big fan of this filmmaker. His previous film, Gloria, was another uh, exciting and tender um, love story to a woman that society would rather disappear and shut the hell up and whose problems are completely invalidated by the people around her. Mm -hmm. Um, Gloria and a fantastic woman have a couple of major departures from each other stylistically, but the thing in common is that they have a sense of street realism to them. Um, And they really provide an intimate portrait of these women's interiority, which I've said about 20 times on the podcast is a thing I'm a fan of. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Daniela Vega gives an extraordinary performance in this film um, as a woman who is just constantly beat down (laughs) as it goes on and manages to keep going. And there's a wonderful piece of visual poetry in this film where she is walking down the street and a gust of wind is pushing against her and pieces of garbage are flying all around her, her hair is blowing back, and she is still pushing forward yeah. against it. Yeah,
1: it's 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 a perfect visual. Yeah, what she um, goes through, through this entire. Movie.
0: Yeah, I, I think the movie has uh, sly elements of um, uh, genre play in them. I think pieces of it turn into a film noir at times when she's searching for her dead lover's uh, key uh, at, in in his gym locker. Um, I think that it includes pops of visual panache um, and imagination, like when she is dancing in the club and then is flying. Um, But the contrast between those more heightened cinematic moments and more realistic moments like when she is trying to work her job as a waitress and then you have the detective um, coming in to interrupt her um, and not understanding that her job is on the line if she's to keep exiting out of her shift to go talk to this woman who basically wants to uh, pin her lover's death on her. Right. Anyway, A Fantastic Woman is shortlisted for the best foreign language Oscar. I'm realizing I haven't said anything about the plot. It's about a trans woman uh, played by Daniela Vega who is a nightclub singer and a waitress uh, who is in a committed relationship with an older man. He dies of a stroke and she is met with a... Uh, extremely unfriendly family who wants her to have nothing to do uh, with his estate or with his memorial Um, they do everything they can to make her disappear from his life altogether despite the fact that they were not close with her uh, deceased lover and that she was basically his next of kin and it has a great moment where she climbs on top of the car of the uh, awful sister-in-law and just jumps on top of it demanding that she get her dog back Um, I think it's a masterpiece Um, I think it's the second best LGBT film of the year Oh yeah, and I'm I'm a major fan of this filmmaker. Apparently, his other film, *Disobedience*, uh, that
2: comes out this year is not very good. But isn't it your number three LGBT film of the year?
1: It's my number three. (laughs) <laughs> Look at us forgetting about other well,
0: well, when you mentioned that BPM was your number two, I, I just looked at my list and I saw Fantastic Woman. I was like, that's my number two.
1: But yes, actually, I do have another LGBT film. It anyway, has been a great year for LGBT film. That's basically what's happening Great there. score
0: as well. Um, in A Just World, Daniela Vega gets nominated for the Oscar.
1: Yeah. I, I think it has a shot at the top prize for the Foreign Academy Award. Maybe that's wishful thinking. But uh, the movie also... Uh, has its actual release in February, right. so everyone should mm-hmm. go see it. Yep. It will probably play at the AMC Sunset 5, so yep. go see it there. For it anyone, very, very anyone good. who gets
0: excited about Chilean, Argentinian, Brazilian film, you won't want to miss this. Um, it's also a movie like Get Out that is told almost entirely in microaggressions, um, and that a lot of the plot is built through that subtext and what is unsaid. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. I think it's great. I wish it was higher on my list. Number 13.
1: Number um okay my number 12 is uh i'm gonna mispronounce his name miguel artetas yeah uh beatrice at dinner um starring selma hayek and written by mike white uh i love this movie from the second i saw it uh i knew i wanted it to land somewhere on my list um it recycles the score from enlightened so i feel like that in of itself makes this movie a masterpiece i just think it is the direction is exquisite the the writing the 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 way it strikes the tone it does throughout mm-hmm. there's an incredible shot of all the white women walking in their heels with their wine mm-hmm. connie britton and um uh, the Chloe, other way Amy Landecker Amy Landecker uh yeah and Chloe something and it's Selma Hayek Beatrice just trailing behind mm-hmm. it's it's just it's I think it's a perfect movie uh I think the the way it ends is wonderful cause you get that moment where like you want to stab this guy in the mm-hmm. fucking throat uh and so you get that moment but if, the, if that's actually how it ended that would be Right. Cheap. And I'm glad that's not actually the way it ends. It takes she, the higher path. She, it takes the higher path. And she is just so uh, in vain of trying to make these people better people that she just sacrifices herself at the end. She was like, she is just a symbolism of good. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And she can't. Well, that's exactly. I think the entire movie is like an elemental melee between good and evil. Yeah, exactly. And I love. And it's super timely, too. Mm-hmm. Like. This uh, asshole, played by John Lithgow, like cutting off elephant trunks. I mean, that's the oh, Trump's Don Jr. That's the, those are. That's what we're dealing with. <clears throat> yeah.
0: There's actually something even more insidious about the Lithgow character than Trump. And though he, there's certainly analogs in a certain respect, but I don't think Trump is smart enough, or smart's the wrong word. I don't think that Trump really has much intellectual um, reasoning behind his terrible decisions and lack of core humanity. The Lithgow character talks about how like the world is ending. I'm just trying to make a penny on my way out. Right. Which is evil, more evil in its own way because the proper response is to figure out how to help the most people. If you really think that the world is doomed right. rather than trying to build a compound for you and your family, you should be compassionate. Mm-hmm. And the movie also does a really good visual job of, of illustrating the fences that these people put up all around them. Whether it's the gates to their community or what I just said
1: about Lithgow's character. Yeah, it's, it's a great film. Mm-hmm. And Salma Hayek is extraordinary in it. Yeah. In a perfect world, she gets nominated for Best Actress, and the script gets nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Yeah. I love that Connie Britton uh, refers to her as a masseuse. <laughs> she's like a faith healer, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, she's like her, yeah, her healer. She was like healing oh, she did...
0: something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, God, I need to rewatch this movie. I wish I rewatched it before I came here to record. Um, but yeah, I love this movie. Everyone should go see it. Nice. Agree. Thank you.
2: Uh, my number 12 is Rat Film, which I feel like I should... Tell us. I (laughs) I don't even know. Teach.
1: (sighs) Teach away. I don't feel
2: like I'm the appropriate person to talk about what this movie's about. It's about the rat problem in Baltimore and the way that that has been conflated with the lives of African Americans in Baltimore over the course of the 20th century and the way that, uh rats were seen as pests and that there are just like it's just a very in like 70 minutes it it encompasses that uh i don't even know how to say this is it in your blurb book no i didn't (laughs) get through this because i just a stressful movie to talk about i don't know what to say it's uh everyone should just go see it. it's a it's, recommendation for everyone to go see it's it, really yeah. moving and powerful and i hate to say that this is a movie that people need to see but this is a movie that people need to see where can people see it it's on itunes you can rent it now great it's great i can't wait to watch it's it It's literally 75 minutes or less it's insane it's just insane
1: i remember your log was jesus christ the sound
2: design (laughs) is out of control turn the volume up and uh is it an experimental documentary yes and uh watch um white people treat rats the same as they treat black people in baltimore that's what this movie is about i um
0: i think that i mean this movie gets talked about in more like critical circles more cinephile circles I can't help but think because it like barely
2: had a release, like no one has seen it unless right. you, like, specifically have sought it out. I, right.
0: I, I, I what I'm about to say has nothing to do with the merit of the film itself, but in a way, when you think about perhaps unfairly, O.J. Made in America 13th and I'm Not Your Negro were all looped together last year mm-hmm. as like the movies about race in America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That had it come out the year before, it probably could have been part of like a quadrology. Yeah. Um. And it yeah. really and it honestly kind of speaks to how. Um, and I'm not I'm not trying to uh, to call anybody names here, but um, people care about issues. Like if there's a documentary about something, people say that it's the most important thing to them for that year. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, when it's a different issue, mm-hmm. all they can talk about is that issue. Right. You know, rather than really continuing the conversation and that's what good documentaries are supposed to do is inform and continue a conversation what um i'm excited to see this. there's a
2: there's a whole section in this about an experiment that was done about they gave a certain number of rats everything that they needed the only inhibiting factor in their lives was the amount of space that each rat had to themselves and it devolves into mother basically and then it just it Tells this story of the rats going crazy. And then there are just shots from like literal stills from a hundred years ago of the slums in Baltimore. And there's no voiceover that connects these two things. It's pretty obvious what the connection is there. Mm-hmm. And it's just like incredibly powerful. And it's that's not just subtle. smart filmmaking. It's just, it's obvious but not, or it's apparent but not obvious.
0: I would really recommend that people check out the HBO miniseries "Show Me a Hero" from mm-hmm. a year or two ago, um, starring uh, Big Daddy Oscar Isaac, um, and it's about the uh, housing, the housing crisis in Yonkers, specifically about the integration um, from uh, uh, you know three hundred unit apartment buildings to uh, to a layout that would encourage. Um, well, I haven't seen the movies. So I don't know exactly how to tie it together, but it, anyway, it's about mm-hmm. it's about um, how how housing relates to humanity. Yeah, public housing.
2: Mm-hmm. Anyway,
0: great. It's on the iTunes. Right. Give it I'm a rant. I'm renting it. I'll watch it before the month is out and keep me to it. Uh, my number twelve is Bong Joon Ho's *Okja*. Huh. Uh, Next to Star Wars The Last Jedi, I think this is the most exciting piece of big studio filmmaking Mm -hmm. that you'll see last year. Um, And the fact that it's made outside of the studio system um, speaks to Bong Joon-ho's ecstatic vision. Mm -hmm. Um, As a vegetarian, this movie gets me pretty lit when we're talking about meat production.
1: (laughs) And now the new Beverly Selling vegan, vegan dogs, dogs for okja and
0: and thankfully i was able to see okja in 35 millimeter at the new beverly which yeah. is a huge privilege um mm-hmm. and most people saw it on a screen or on their tv screen and yeah. i don't think that necessarily diminishes the impact of it but this is a big fun uh and serious blockbuster movie that is supposed to be watching the biggest screen possible and i think there's with a the crowd with a crowd yeah. yes because it's really rousing at times mm-hmm. too I think this movie has some of the best action set pieces in recent memory, specifically the truck hijacking scene where Paul Dano's group of lily-white terrorists steal Okja. Um, I think that uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's performance is all over the place, but it's fun nonetheless. Um, I will just say this before encouraging the two of you to say something about it, that I think that it has a pitch black ending in regards to capitalism
3: mm-hmm.
0: um specifically the way that Okja is bargained for and brought home at the end mm-hmm. um which is then uh undercut by the walk out of the slaughterhouse passing all the other uh, enormous pigs who are um about to be killed and turned into meat mm-hmm. um so does anybody else have anything to say about Okja
2: I think you covered my yeah. feelings
0: say something this movie is so good I have a sticker of it on my laptop I have a <laughs> I had a sticker on the back you of my iPhone but Halloween. it's broken I was Okja for tattered. Halloween yeah. yeah Brandon there we go and your boyfriend was Jake John hall right yes correct <laughs> oh, that's perfect
1: uh so that was my first couples costume since college nice um no, I, I agree that when I think about Okja, I think about that ending, which you brought up, Daniel, and I think about the set pieces. I think about when the, the main character enters that glass, I haven't seen the movie in a long time, but that glass wall and she like tries to bang her way through it. Does uh, she shatter through it? I don't remember. I don't remember. But then she also like runs through like the, the, the mall. Yes. Oh, it's, the
0: mall chase is brilliant. Yeah.
1: And it... It, Is it like Blues Brothers? Didn't they like drive through a mall in Blues Brothers? I've never seen, I've never uh, seen the Brothers. Blues Brothers. Oh, really? um, I feel like that it reminded me of like some eighties. Like, but but yeah, the, the action set pieces are yeah. great. On top of it's the it's E. T. It meets I don't know. uh Mad Max. I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't, something needs something. But yeah, it's But great.
0: I love the Spielbergian tendencies of this movie, mm-hmm. specifically in the beginning when the little girl and Okja are playing in the forest and there's that great thing where... And he's pooping. And he's po- Oh yeah, and this movie's very scatological. I love poop humor. Mm-hmm. We know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I love this movie so much. I'm upset it's not in my top ten. But I hope everyone watches it again and again and again. It is... Um, an exciting new film from one of our most exciting
1: filmmakers Bong Joon-ho and that's it for me Okja number 12 um number 11 for me is my entire high school sinking into the sea yeah I love this movie it comes out on DVD and Blu-ray I don't know about VOD G-Kids if you're listening (laughs) when the (laughs) hell is it on vod we're notorious for our g kids <laughs> contingency on this show but there's no way to see it right now which is a bummer but it comes out on blu-ray and dvd uh towards the end of the month um, i'm sure it will be
2: on vod that same day
1: yeah probably so look out for it end of this month it's great uh the only thing i want to say about it is i'm just going to read my letterbox log um can you tell I love Letterbox? I... If it's not already obvious. I, um, Love to log? Live, live to log? log? Log to live. There it is. I
0: don't like beat poetry. I like people reading their Letterbox reviews aloud into the
1: microphone. <laughs> okay, here we go. I love this movie. Imaginative, funny, unexpectedly moving, and with a psychedelic visual style. A catastrophic event as a metaphor for high school coming of age, and beyond that, considering the themes explored... It even doubles as a metaphor for navigating existential dread, a.k.a. simply trying to get by in
2: 2017. Nice. And can I, can I stand I say by say that. my
1: favorite quote from the movie? Yes. My body. <laughs> a character says that as he's being crushed <laughs> by a piece of the school. <laughs> scaffolding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ben's losing
0: it at the movies here, folks. Dash
1: body. Shaw. Make another movie. Yeah. He's, he. I think he's a graphic artist. He, a, Yeah. A, a, a gra, what am I trying to, graphic mm-hmm. artist. Is that the word? I think
2: that's right. Um, I dragged you to see this movie with me, like, at midnight in <laughs> Pasadena, because I was like, Amy Taubin really likes this movie, so we're going to see it. Check it
1: out and here we are talking about it uh we saw it in april yeah and we're talking about it what eight months later yeah uh it's a great movie um everyone check it out Love
0: that's it. it is that it yep that's it all right my. i haven't seen it yet gotta and see i'm it. going to see it oh, my body you must i will see it. Okay. I, is it available um on platforms now
2: we just had this were you conversation. Not you, this you,
0: no, you said on physical.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, and that's I, for
2: everything. And well, I said it must be on VOD that same we, day.
1: We were not sure, but we think it's going to be VOD the same day. I
0: missed that part of the
1: conversation. Sorry.
2: It has not been announced on VOD in any way.
1: I plan on Bly- buying it on
2: Blu-ray. Excellent.
1: <laughs> I love this movie. I, I need to see it again. It's a joy. It is a joy. It's a I real mean to joy. See it. it
0: was barely in theaters, and you two loved yeah. it so much. When it was released, I meant to go see it, and then... It quickly, it quickly became one of those movies with only a 10.05 showtime in Pasadena, but I guess that's when you both saw it. So, is, I'm, so I'm just a bad cinema goer for not making The Drive. And that theater's closer Pasadena. to me than either of you, so I really have no excuse.
2: I also, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm on record on this podcast, but I'm on record in life that I often go to the late movie of every movie, because that's when I like to see the movie. Just
1: avoid traffic.
2: Yeah. Avoid traffic, and then I get to have my and evening people. at home. Mm-hmm. That's and nice. And then it's like other people then turn on the TV and I leave the house in my pajamas and go see a movie and like go straight to bed after
0: I'm going to say out loud so we talk about it later pajamas and you'll know what I mean
1: when we get to it yes
0: because we didn't talk about it on the, on the episode uh, that we did for this oh, movie that yeah. we will get to but I, pajamas I know what you're talking pajamas. about
1: pajamas we should have wore our pajamas
0: to
3: Aww. this <laughs> would
2: have loved that number 11 is a ghost story which is my next ghost story <laughs> <laughs> in... I don't see the connection yeah um, I love the way that this movie deals with time. It's my Dunkirk. Because um, it moves me. We and saw it editing... at CineFamily, R.I.P. Oh, God, that's right. <laughs> we saw it in 35mm,
1: wasn't it? Yep. Did they have the aspect ratio right? Yeah. They did, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's
0: interesting, because when I saw a ghost story at the Edwards Theater in Alhambra... Which is a weird theater in that it's like one of those multiplexes that will play American Honey or uh-huh. a ghost story. Um, it seemed to be out of focus mm. for the whole thing. Um, and my friend and I made a note to a staff member, and they mm. said they'd deal with it, and it didn't seem that they did. Mm. But it seems like the movie is very fuzzy anyway.
2: Yeah, because we saw it's fuzzy on digital to replicate 16 millimeter. I believe that's... Oh, okay. So it like has grain... Mm-hmm. oh yeah and that was to be expected
0: but I think it actually was out of focus because sure. I've seen movies there that are out of focus before mm. anyway that's a bummer
2: um I just think it's a really beautiful exploration of grief and time and uh the... and Kesha's in it Kesha's in it and
0: Bonnie Prince Billy
2: <laughs> and the things that we leave behind of ourselves and who we leave them behind with I have some notes about this movie it's well Casey Affleck's under a sheet for most of it that's a bonus <laughs> And I have some, like, race issues with this movie. And, yeah, but uh, are those. Yeah. But it's inc- what are they? It's incredibly powerful. Because
0: it's been a while. I don't really remember much about that. The,
2: uh, the people that move in after Rooney Mara moves out uh, is a Mexican family, and Casey Affleck totally just terrorizes them.
0: Gentrification from the grave. And
2: then, oh. uh, when we are in the past in the prairie, the Native Americans are savages. Mm. Um, yeah, it's not great. No. Not, great, not Bob. great, Bob. It's not great, Bob. But um there's some really powerful imagery when and... the two ghosts say hi. Yeah, it's so funny. It's it's hello. hilarious. Is and... he like
1: hello and the other one is like hi? Yes. <laughs> it's one of my favorite movie moments from 2017. The other the the seemingly female
2: gendered sheet. Yes, cuz it has like a light floral print. Yeah. <laughs> but then
1: when The other ghost, the female presumed ghost Mm -hmm. decides they're done waiting. They're done waiting and they poof. poof. It's one of the most powerful moments. I think so too.
0: What I admire about the film is that for as as ephemeral as its interests are it does a wonderful job of exploring physical space Mm -hmm. as well and certainly the impermanence of it but how a fixed location can change over time. Mm -hmm. Um and like the, it turns into a skyscraper. And I was gonna say, now. and and the ghost walking through the skyscraper is a really moving image yeah. for me. Um, and I, I I love the um the bulldozer or whatever mm-hmm. crashing through the wall. That's a really surprising moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is the first of two movies we'll talk about today that involve hiding notes in the seam of things.
1: Yeah. Ah, yes.
0: Another ghost story.
1: I love that we don't know what the note says, and I also love that that screenshot. That, that 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 was they not got, used they got the reverse shot they got the reverse shot so that we can meme it <laughs> i love memeing the shit out of it mm-hmm. i think my meme was send nudes <laughs> and we haven't <laughs> talked about what
2: is the thing that everyone has talked about with this movie which oh is the, pie. the pie eating the pie which she said was a disgusting like vegan chocolate pie it looks very piecey it looks very piecey and she said it's a single shot well it's two shots she starts to eat... She takes one bite in one shot, and then she sits down in the other shot and eats the entire pie and yeah. weeps.
1: And, Ben, you, you had a comment after we saw it, and you wondered if her running to the toilet to vomit, vomit. was improvised. Yeah. Because she... If, if maybe she actually needed to throw she,
2: up. She literally eats a whole pie. In real time. Disgusting. And it's this, like two and a half this minutes. might be the
0: Jean Dielman moment of the podcast in terms of <gasps> exercising acts and unbroken shots.
2: And it's just um, It does the the slow cinema thing of you just think about all of the times in your life you are given the space to reflect mm-hmm. and be introspective about grief and every time you have overeaten in sadness. <laughs> and I just think it's really and she's angry. That's what's the best she's thing about. She's stabbing her. Yeah, that. She's pot. not That's right. She is not. I mean, she is sad, but she is so furious, and I love it. Yeah. Also, Mara. great
0: score. Mm-hmm. I'm a great original. Oh, music. one of the one of my All that song. One too. of the
2: great moments of the year. I thank you for bringing this up. I would have forgotten to say this. Uh, when she's listening to the song, she lies on the floor and she reaches her hands out, and there is the hem of the ghost. And like, the, there's a pan, and it, on the beat of the
1: song, and it's beautiful. I need to rewatch it. Mm-hmm. I now own it on Blu-ray disc. Nice. Oh, wow. How fun for you. Very wonderful. Mm-hmm. I'd like to borrow it sometime if I may.
0: Absolutely. I'd, I'd, like, I to, I'd like to see it again. still have them. your days. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Oh, I even
1: gosh. had that on Criterion. <laughs> well, you have the DVD and it's in my house. Speaking of <laughs>
0: ephemeral movies that are told ethereally. Mm. What number are we on? Uh, Ten. We're on my number eleven. Oh, right, sorry. Which is Frederick Wiseman's recent, uh, most recent institutional opus, *Ex Libris*, the New York Public Library.
1: (sighs) I love this movie.
0: I it was on my list for a long time. Movie, and then it fell off. It is a. I could talk about Frederick Wiseman for hours. I think that he puts together these mosaics of human behavior that say more to the ways that we organize ourselves as people, the way that we communicate with one another, and what we do in our private time as well. Um, I love about this movie and all of Weisman's movies, like these little individual moments with characters who we get to know completely in three to five minutes and then never see again. Or this is one of the movies where you do meet these characters a couple times the way through, but you get... uh, you get uh, clear embodiments of who these people are, which I think is a symptom of his shooting style, which is he spends 30 days in an American institution. He's gone abroad a couple times, but mostly in America, and is just shooting nonstop. Um, and then he whittles it down to a fleeting three and a half hours long. <laughs> um, I'll just say that this is uh, an incredibly timely movie in terms about the ways that we write history. Uh I'm thinking specifically about the um, uh, the penultimate scene in the movie at the McCombs Bridge Branch, um, the African-American community who is having a meeting discussing uh, the ways that uh, slavery has been penciled into the immigration chapters of recent textbooks and why we must consider who is writing our history. And um, if we are not paying attention to the full story, then you will be written out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that this movie is a reminder. Um, it's, it's an argument for intellectual curiosity um, and, in, and how that leads to a greater sense of community and ultimately a greater society. And that when we forget our roots and where we come from, we are doomed to repeat the same mistakes. And that if we don't use our libraries and mind them for knowledge to glean things from them... Gleaners and I love to glean. Then they are, they essentially become tombs. Yeah. Um, and how in access yes. to information to gain knowledge is, yeah. is crucial. And it's, also, it's a celebration of that. Like the function of a library is to provide no matter who you are, no matter what your socioeconomic background is, no matter what you look like, who you love, how much money you have in your wallet, you can get a library card because you have a guaranteed access to information just like the person next to you. Yeah whole other net neutrality conversation to have about this because as people turn to the internet, the library adapts, but they also don't go to the library in the first place. Mm -hmm. And if we're only using the internet for our knowledge, especially now that net neutrality is being dismantled, we no longer have that free access to information. It also, I think, is just intoxicating and thrilling to watch people in boardrooms going over... Shout out to the hot assistant. Shout out to the hot assistant. But I just love the way that people deliberate and fight in Weisman movies, and how I think um, in the New York Times recently, A.O. Scott made a brilliant point, which is that meetings in Frederick Weisman movies are the uh, analog to um, like a crash zoom in a Scorsese film, um, or, or are like gangsters in a Scorsese film, or extreme violence in a Tarantino movie. Like meetings mm-hmm. are Frederick Weisman's version of that—the way that people just hash out ideas. Um, I'm a huge fan of this filmmaker I think this is one of my favorite movies I've seen of his the great thing about Frederick Wiseman is he's made so many goddamn movies that you will never have seen them all unless you make it a point to and oh and all of and, all, and the entire yeah. Weisman catalog is now available on Canopy for free mm-hmm. K-A-N-O-P-Y and they can send us their $5 plug through Venmo through the yeah. Movies IMO Venmo account. Thank you. Um, And I encourage people to watch this movie. It, it For three hours long it breezes by and it's really funny. It, Weisman's movies are also hilarious. Say me. your favorite moment. More like love making oh. in the time of cholera. Well you just said it. Okay. <laughs> I- well... There, there, there's, there's a book club with a bunch of seniors, and they and they they've read "Love in the Time of Cholera," and they're going around giving their notes. On this one, lady goes more like "love making" in the time of cholera. Uh. She is so
1: lit on this book, and it's yeah. so exciting. Oh, and then your other favorite part?
0: Oh, the guy who's the guy who's a photo archivist in the library, whose job so excited. Yeah, his he's just- so excited. <laughs> yeah, he, he's showing off like all the different verbs and subjects, like dog dancing, dog jumping, dog <laughs> swimming. Guys, all the pictures, and of it. it's riveting to watch. And it, it's intellectually stimulating. I mean, you watch a number of lectures, both from people like ta Coates, Coates, um, or uh, who's the first one in the beginning of the movie? Um, it doesn't matter. There's both, like, the organized speaking series at the New York Public Library, and then mm-hmm. you see lectures that are given as an educational purpose, like this amazing lecture about Marxism and race um, that is just uh, stimulating to watch and totally edifying. And I could talk about this movie for uh, three and a half hours, um, but Ex-Labor's New York Public Library... Um, it's another great Frederick Wiseman doc check it out
1: my number 10 is The Big Sick um, written by Camille Nanjiani and Emily V. Gordon and also which myself included I forget this as well but I think people forget that this is also directed by Michael Showalter mm-hmm. love Michael Showalter yeah uh, this STOA <laughs> what I think is his
2: most accomplished visual film easily
1: yeah easily yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, this, this thing, the standouts are the performances and the writing, but you can't count out the, the directing from him. Mm-hmm. I think this movie will get a Best Picture nomination. I think it deserves it. I will also get a Best Screenplay nomination. It deserves it. Um, they have taken their real-life story and adapted it into something so relatable, universal Specificity breeds universality, and this is a prime example of that. This movie is so lovely. Oh, Holly Hunter will also get a best Act. Yeah, we'll academics. talk about
0: Holly once you've once you've once said everything you need to Holland. say.
1: I love this movie. Uh, it made me feel uh, how I've never felt in like in a while. Like the ability to just like love and like be open and like what. And it's just really well-crafted, too. Yeah. Like, the script is really, really strong. It's tight, and it's, it's... a
0: beautiful subversion of your expectations
1: with yeah. the romantic comedy. It's it's the best romantic comedy to come along in a while. Yeah, and it feels like... And it makes sense to be produced by Judd Apatow. Yeah. I mean, yes. he, he, he does that. He re Judd has rewritten reintroduces... the romantic comedy twice. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. What were you going to say?
2: Um, It just, like, feels like an old-school studio movie that I hate to... I also hate this phrase. It's a movie that they don't make anymore. Mm-hmm. But it is. it is. Studios don't make this movie anymore.
1: But it's also <laughs> and... extremely modern and mm-hmm. contemporary.
2: With its soul and
0: heart, that's exactly right. What yeah. I like about it is the first act sets you up to think it's going to be one kind of quirky independent mm-hmm. comedy. And then completely pulls the rug out from under you. This is a movie that is really told in thirds. Mm-hmm. The second act becomes a love story between a man and his future in-laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the third act is a love story between someone with themselves,
1: mm-hmm. understanding understanding their own place in other people's stories. Yeah, I forget that. Uh Zoe Kazan, she's she's not great in, she's in not movie. in it for a lot yeah. of things. Ma- Manola Dargis uh,
0: put her I, I think it was Manola put her on her best supporting actress ballot and I'm glad someone did because she's great. Yeah. And speaking of best supporting
1: actress ballots, Holly Hunter, she just a fucking firecracker in this she's movie. She's incredible. She the way she storms through a hospital hallway. Yeah. is is just unforgettable. The
2: first scene when she's just sitting there. And she's knitting, I think. Yeah. I know I, yeah. know, I know, about the two-day rule. Yeah. <laughs> and she
1: is just like, what are you doing here? Uh, I'm so jealous you guys have seen this she movie won't even more look... recently than me. Yeah, we watched yeah. it at Christmas we, with we, we
0: both watched it with our parents. And let me tell you, I got such a kick out of telling my mom at the end, Mom, the people who wrote the movie, they're the people on the screen. Like, this <laughs> is their story. Mm-hmm. But, my um, parents love a true story.
1: They're, they're I some... told my parents. I'm glad your parents experienced this over Christmas. I... I should have rewatched it with them, but I told my parents when it first when it was still in theaters. I was like, "The minute this comes out on VOD, you need Mm -hmm. to see it."
0: I'm not sure I've seen my dad laugh as hard in a while as I have after Kumail says we lost 19 of our best guys. (laughs) My dad was like in a rocking chair, and I still thought he or he was in a recliner, and I still thought he was going to tip over the back (laughs) of his chair. There's a Holly Hunter is extraordinary in this movie. My it has one of my favorite passages of any movie this year, which is from it's after Kumail and. Uh, and Emily's parents get acquainted with one another, and that night they spend together Mm -hmm. at the comedy club, and they stay up all night drinking wine, whiskey, Mm -hmm. tea, and eating tortilla chips. And it just has one of my favorite line deliveries of the year, which is when Ray Romano is (laughs) passing on the couch, and, and Holly Hunter starts talking about how her family didn't really accept him, didn't accept Terry, when they first met. And she starts kind of talking shit about him, and Camille's like, hey, he's right there, don't you want to be quiet? And she goes... Oh, Terry, he can't hear nothing. Hey, Terry! And then, like, clouds and wake him up. <laughs> I love it so much. Hey, Terry! <laughs> and having just watched the piano, and when Holly Hunter doesn't say a no word, word. Um, it's it, that is really incredible, considering the huge talent she has um, with her voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just the sound of her voice and the way she's able to modulate it. It's one of her greatest gifts as a performer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hey, Terry! Um, I love this movie. That's it.
2: Okay. The end.
0: I love it too um, I, it's my number 20 of the year I hope it gets the Ooh. best picture nomination I hope it gets screenplay I think it will I, think, I hope It'll Holly get... gets in Ray, oh and Ray Romano really should be in the awards conversation I too Ray yeah. I, I love um yeah. I love when he spends the night at Kumail's apartment after he and Holly Hunter have gotten into a fight and he's trying so hard to be eloquent about love oh and, and he's, he's like, like... And, well first he admits that he cheated on her mm-hmm. which is a really wonderful bit of performance and then, and then he's like, but "I guess that's why they call it love, right?" And then it like cuts to like, Camille's face, and just like that doesn't totally land. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> it's a it, it's a really wise movie, yeah. um, and and again, I think subverts your expectations with romantic comedy beautifully and
2: surprisingly. I agree. My number ten, yes. is Nocturama. Hooray! Um, which is. A movie about it's a three hour epic that is um first half is like a slick uh action movie. It's like a real time these ten teens or whatever are gonna blow some shit up in Paris. Yeah. Uh to protest we don't really know. They don't really know. <laughs> yeah. But they're protesting the world. And then the second half of the movie is a 90-minute hangout movie in a mall. They're waiting out. One of my favorite musical moments. It's a long oh, movie, yeah, huh? Yeah. It's Two and four. a half. It's like a full three.
1: Is it? It's long. It's long AF. I just, like, whip my hair back and forth.
2: Oh, I know. <laughs> and Call Me, when they bring up Blondie. that's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. And when the one guy lip-sings my way yeah there's a lot of music there's a lot moments. of musical moments what um, my hair stands out the most for me no it's amazing yeah. yeah I mean the whole movie is amazing and it just is like
1: it's such a takedown of, of youths yeah it's a takedown
2: of rebels without a cause yeah and it's yeah but
1: they end up in this like tomb it's not of their own making
2: romantic it's very it's unsentimental and yeah just one by one they get picked off. They get, it's like a slasher movie and they, you realize none of them know what the fuck they're doing and they...
1: And what they're doing it for.
2: What they're doing it for and why and I think it's a really powerful statement on uh, terrorism, domestic terrorism and uh, what we think of as terrorism and what motives are behind things and sometimes it is just pure, unadulterated rage without any thought.
0: Yep. I would say that early 20-somethings trying to make a stand about something is its own form of domestic terrorism. Yeah.
2: And so it's, uh, perhaps. Uh, it's a brutal movie. It's on Netflix. Yeah. And uh, it's really funny, and the characters are really delightful. And, and you ranked the hot men. I the did. Hot. It's <laughs> the hot. The one from Raw is obviously the hot. Yeah, he is the hot. Um,
1: Oh, Raw. Can we have a shout-out for Raw? Ra. Shout-out to Raw. That would be on my list if it was, like, 26. <laughs> yeah.
0: I still haven't seen Raw. Oh, it's incredible. I'm... I Cannibalism is hard for me. Maybe. There's a lot of... It's a bit gross. <laughs> I've been told that as a vegetarian, like, it's a really important movie to see.
1: Huh. That's yeah. interesting. Because she eats the meat and becomes a... a cannibal. Yeah. There are some really... Icky moments.
2: Oh, I was just going to say there's some extraordinary directed moments of that movie yeah and it's not a movie that i particularly like <laughs> a-
0: april wolf who's but... a great film critic who has a great podcast called switchblade sisters and who is moderating a QA with kelly reichert next month which we were talking about she had a tweet the other day about how if people were actually paying attention to what directing is that julia uh Dupournel, oh i did see this or whatever I- i'm not sure how to pronounce her last name that either. she would be a slam dunk nominee mm-hmm. yeah it's really haven't interestingly seen the movie. done and I'm a vegetarian if no one got that yet.
1: <laughs> uh, what else do I want to say about Raw? Sorry, I don't remember sidelining. Continue. Then. No, I think I'm good. Okay, great. I have seven now. Um
0: My number 10 is Ryan Johnson's Star Wars <gasps> The Last Jedi. Okay. Ba, 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 ba. okay. Which, <laughs> after seeing a second time, leapt up from 13 or 14. Two of my top ten also left up from four and a half to five stars. Hell yeah. We're, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. Okay. We're going to talk about it. I love Star Wars The Last Jedi. Number ten. Number
1: nine is Florida Project. Um, Sean Baker's Florida Project. Uh, I'm just glancing at Daniel's list. I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> we will save it. All right. My number nine is Get Out.
2: Woo! Woo! I'm also going to save it. Save it. We'll talk about it in a minute.
0: We sure will. Um, My
2: number nine is James Gray's The Lost City of Zed. Yeah.
0: I was going to say Z, but it is Zed. It is Uh, Zed. uh, Zed. The filmmaker has said that it is Zed. Mm -hmm. I think that this is as painterly a film as you are likely to find in 2017. Um, It is painted in essential oils at times.
2: pre-election yes. era. <laughs> in yes,
0: arts. we're still in 2016. <laughs> it's still uh, 2012 as far as I'm concerned. Um, what to say about The Lost City of Z? Ben did a really good job of talking about it already. It's an adventure epic. It's a character study. It's all these things. I really want to talk about Sienna Miller's character in the film. Um, I've heard some people give this film some flack for its attempts to sound woke and mm-hmm. feminist, but I think so much of what the movie is trying to do is um, apply a more contemporary sense of gender parity and justice onto this story, which 20-30 years ago just her character would have been completely sidelined and out of the mm-hmm. narrative. And she is as smart and savvy as Charlie Hunnam's character in the lead. Um, and yet she is perpetually oh, I
2: haven't brought up Charlie Hunnam's ears. <laughs> his little ears. <laughs> I love ears. And I didn't bring up uh what's his face, his ears. <laughs> I
1: love ears. Um, Whose
2: ears? BPM.
1: Oh. our Arnaud. node's ears. Anyway. You'll have a chance. Yeah.
0: Beep. Sooner than you think.
1: I love ears. Um, <laughs> I oh. think
0: that this is one of a couple, one of several movies this year that delves into themes of obsession really brilliantly. Um, Robert Pattinson's great in that. Robert so Pattinson. Robert Pattinson is great. Yeah, he has
2: great, great. Uh, spectacles. Oh, um, yes. The scene when the arrow shoots through his book. Ooh, yes. Yeah. His face. That's one of my favorite shots of the year. Yeah, it's great.
0: It's a masterpiece. Um, it's been a while since I've seen it, too. But it, it is the type of uh, handsomely mounted epic you don't see anymore, that also has a fresh sensibility.
2: Yeah. Um, I love James Gray. Yeah. If he's you've Gray. never seen Two Lovers, you should watch that, too. I think that's his most accessible movie. What about the... And I Mother think Grand. this is very accessible. It is. But Gwyneth Paltrow is just on fire in Two Lovers in a way that she has never been on fire in <laughs> <a> film before. <laughs> And it's Joaquin, who is my favorite, so it just means a lot to me. The Immigrant is a movie that I saw in theaters and I didn't really like it, and then it's just like a movie that I have never stopped thinking about, and I've seen it three times and I think it's great.
0: I think his movies do a really great job of burrowing deep into your brain, Mm -hmm. um, because he just really drills in his themes (laughs) um, in in subtle ways, but uh, he... I don't know. He just has a very sure hand on the steering wheel, and you—he—he um, he is always focused um, on what he's focused on. And it's been a while since I've seen it, so now I'm just sort of like saying words. But it's a beautiful film. It hasn't left me. And again, some of these images—they look like they should be hanging in the Louvre.
2: Mm-hmm. In the back.
0: But Not in the, the, Louvre. the Louvre. But still the Louvre. Still the Louvre.
1: And it's on Amazon Prime. <laughs> yes, it is. It's an Amazon release. It was.
0: Thank you, Amazon, for releasing your films in theaters. By the way.
1: You can demo us. <laughs> um Jeff Bezos. Are we on He's number? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're a quadrillionaire. We're on number eight. We're on number eight, which I'm looking over, and we share Ben. Oh, nice. Ben and I share a number eight, so let's just talk about it now. Great. Um, how do you pronounce it? Olivier Assayas? Oh. Asayas', Asayas personal, personal shopper. shopper. Asayas, queen. Yeah. Oh. Uh, starring Kristen Wiig, who Kristen gives... Stewart. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you want to take it back or do you want you, to leave that in?
0: <laughs>
2: the story of a personal shopper named Gilly.
1: It's just, Kristen Wig doing
2: her Liza Minnelli impression, turning in off location. a lamp.
3: <laughs>
2: you shouldn't just you shouldn't <laughs> let me go with it. <laughs>
1: Chris, starring Kristen, Wick, Kristen, Wiig's <laughs> Kristen <laughs> Wig, Kristen Wig's personal shopper, Kristen Wig in a harness. Jesus Christ, mm. Kristen Stewart. Who gives one of my favorite performances this year? Um, texting a Ghost is the alternate title to this movie. I think the the, the the fact that... That's my favorite scene of the year. Yeah.
2: The fact that this director... Hitchcockian. It is Hitchcockian.
1: Yeah. This, the fact that this director is able to hold us uh, just captivated watching a phone. Yeah. For that long. It's it really, very, very it long. It really
2: feels like texting someone that you really want to be talking to in real life. And if you think, like, if you come outside of yourself, it's like, these shots are not interesting. You know what I mean? Like, yes, no, absolutely. And it's it really, just, it it's, showcases it's about those bubbles. It right? showcases
0: his modern sensibilities while yeah. also using a Hitchcockian tendency with cutting mm-hmm. um, to build suspense and tension. And that's yeah. exactly what it is. It's if you've ever liked somebody or been in a fight with somebody um, or you've ever been minutes somebody uh, mm-hmm. over text and you see the ellipsis bubble pop mm-hmm. up and then it disappears yeah. and then it comes back up. Yeah. Like, you are holding your breath... And Asayas is making a, a thriller for 2017, or for 2016, I guess, because that's when it premiered at Cannes and when he won Best right. Director. Um, and, and at Cannes is where people laughed at the concept of 15 minutes on a bullet train, yeah. just staring at a, at a phone screen as yeah. she texts but with a ghost. It's
1: so effective. It's completely
0: effective. And then on top of it, it's just, it has this otherworldly quality mm-hmm. that she's texting from beyond the grave. Yeah. yeah.
1: And Are you dead or alive? Alive or Are dead. Alive you? or dead. <laughs> question mark, question mark. Space, Space. Question mark, question mark. Question mark, question mark. Um, I, I. By the way, I've added
0: spaces between my punctuation and the same personal shopper. Thank you, Olivier. That
1: this... was all
2: Kristen. That's just how she texts.
1: Really? Yeah, she said that in an interview. Really? That's just how she texts. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that detail. Mm-hmm. This movie floored me. Um. I haven't forgotten i haven't stopped thinking about it since i saw it um i can't wait to own the criterion blu-ray it's so
2: beautiful (sighs) yeah i just watched it again a couple weeks ago when my root canal tooth woke me up in the middle of the night (laughs) (laughs) and i watched it at four o'clock in the morning wonderful uh and it it challenges me and i struggle with certain like parts at the ending
1: like, the ghost opening the elevator door. No, that doesn't... And the sliding that, doors. I mean, that, <laughs> that, that challenges is genius me, direction. but
2: it's... It, uh, it doesn't, like, cause a problem for me. It's, like, everything after that is a little weird for me. But, like, it's a movie that the highs are so high, it, like... I was gonna put this, like, a, a lot lower on my list, and I was like, I think about her trying on the harness, drinking in her boss's apartment, texting the ghost, and we're going back and forth between the parts of the closet. Mm-hmm. Every day, yeah, and I think there is a lot of a really interesting conversation about grief and mm-hmm. transference and, and projection. Absolutely, another, transference. Um... I think
0: that this movie does a really great job of talking about transference in the modern age, especially mm-hmm. with its focus on screens, mm-hmm. um, through Skype and through texting with the yeah. ghost. Um, and if I had seen it again, I'm positive that it would have been higher on my list. Yeah. But because it just wasn't fresh enough in my head, there were other movies that.
1: Uh, it's just like the last sequence
2: when she goes to another country. I don't know what that's there for. I just
1: because she feels her. Who is it? Her brother? Yeah, I've mm-hmm. seen it. In it's, so her, long. it's her brother. It's her twin. Yeah, her t- right. And it was also a medium. I think it's just she's and she's it's like, getting closer to him. And she there's that moment where she like feels him in the room. Yeah, I guess. And this I is after know. we've seen the ghost pick up a glass of water yeah. in the, the background of a shot. And that's the scene preceding it, immediately mm-hmm. preceding right where the yeah. And, the, and the I just felt like which, that was the which, last scene. when I was watching it. Yeah, when I was watching, I thought that would have
0: made a better ending. That's is the fair. scene where she's out on the porch by herself? Yeah,
2: yeah. And I just think uh, I really like that uh, it doesn't really call attention to the fact that she's the same heart abnormality that her brother died from. But like, it adds a layer of tension that like what she's going through emotionally <laughs> could literally kill her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She could That's literally die if her heart beats too quickly, mm-hmm. and she's going through these insane things a yeah. ghost barfs on her
0: <laughs> a very ghostbusters-esque moment i love that but my ghostbusters which is the 2016 <laughs> Ghostbusters.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> respect for my ghostbusters yeah. paul feig's 2016 i would if paul, any, feig? paul feig if anyone hasn't seen
0: summer hours which is my favorite assayas film yeah, i wouldn't yeah, yeah. lower you to check it out yes <laughs> I've only seen
1: oh, his Kristen haven't? Stewart movies. Oh, Ben! Summer Hours. You're is going incredible.
0: to love Summer Hours. Summer Hours is really good. I think it's on
1: FilmStruck. Probably. Clouds, huh. Clouds, and Personal Shopper. Then again, I haven't seen Summer Hours in a long time. Even Something in the Air is really, really good. Yeah. I just love this director.
0: I saw him um, at a screening screening of Irma Vep, which yeah. is also an amazing film. Oh, I haven't back seen that in one.
1: February. Maggie Chong's amazing.
0: Um,
1: great. So that's our number eight. So did you want to say yeah, anything more?
2: No. I'm
0: good. Uh, number eight for me is Robin Campillo's BPM. Beats well. per minute. Um, we have a whole episode on this already. Um, I think the ensemble work on this film is top notch. Um, I think it's a small miracle how captivating he is able to make the meeting scenes in this film. Um, both the exploring the space visually and keeping your attention as, um, as a member of the audience, mm-hmm. considering you're just in a room where people are barking different ideas at one another. Um, it has a canny ability to flesh out, uh, an entire cast of characters. Um, I maintain that Sophie would have been my ideal college roommate. Um, and... I don't know, we've talked about it already. I I think that there's a level of visual poetry on top of the more brass tacks elements that I love about this film. I think that the lead actor is extraordinary. He's on my ballot for best actor. Um, I think both as an intellectual exercise and discourse, it's thrilling, and as an Altman-esque exploration and an amoeba-like organization, it is um, just as stimulating. And I um, love this movie. And I cried so much.
1: Oh, yeah. Um I like too that it's a commentary how resistance is nonstop and it's cyclical. Yeah. Like you open the movie with uh one of the act up members having died and then you end the movie with an act up member having died, and it feels like And the fight if there was a on. sequel, we would just start right back where mm-hmm. BPM began. And it's just it's cyclical in that way that they okay, yep. another person died because nothing's being done, so okay. Here we go. Yeah. Back at it. Mm
0: -hmm. I I would also, and we've already talked about this on on the show, but the scene where um, the two lead actors have sex for the first time and then have a conversation Mm -hmm. about past loves and past experiences and the way that the ghosts of their past are able to slip in and out of the scenes and Mm -hmm. unbroken shots is just brilliant direction. Mm -hmm. Flawless uh, choreography, really. Um, And... It's an authentic feeling piece of work that moved me to pieces. Um, I think it's a brilliant motion picture. And, and uh, Campio wrote the class and he uh, exercised and he has, some of th- oh.
1: oh, no, go for it. He wrote the workshop, which is coming out this year.
0: He just has a he has a real gift for uh, showcasing discussion yeah. and turning it into something compelling. How to script it, and then in this film, how to stage it as well.
1: Yeah, and workshop too is, I think that and I haven't seen it yet, but that entire movie I think is just like dialogues yeah. and discussions and meetings and
0: with a with a real sense of urgency that underlines
1: the whole thing that really makes you understand how these people are fighting for their lives, and I think it's brilliant. Same. My number seven is a ghost story, which we've already talked about, so... Do you not have anything else to say? No, I think we said it all. Okay. Pie. Pi. Hi. Ghosts talking to Three each point other. 3.1456. Kesha. Seven. Hello. Kesha being in the film. Mm-hmm. Okay, my number seven
2: is Beach Rats. Woo! Yas! Um, <sighs> yes. I love the, uh... A Evocative a sense of texture, <laughs> <It's>, um, <laughs> time and place. Harris Dickinson. I love Harris, Harris Dickinson's eyes and the sadness he projects, and I think it's a really effective story that I know uh, a lot of people find problematic. And uh, but it's it's about true internalized homophobia. I think it's yeah. an honest movie. It's and very I, honest. I get why people don't want to watch a sad gay movie in 2017, but I think it's really deeply felt and deeply observed. And I don't think it's exploitative in any way, of, and I don't think it is, like, tragedy for tragedy's sake. No. And I think it is, um, it's really tied to the history of LGBT filmmaking in this country, and there are just a lot of references to Kenneth Onger and various other people, and it feels very much like a Claire Denis movie, and I just, it, uh, I think it's just so beautifully directed, it's 16 millimeter and i love uh movies about people who probably would be trump voters if they voted and uh
0: unfortunately we share this characteristic and it's (laughs) It's like i
2: know it's like it's a troubling thing but it's people on the outskirts uh it moves me and this movie moves me
0: I would say that this is an important movie for people to see in 2017 only because we grow accustomed these days to seeing gay stories that either end in outright tragedy or end in a way that celebrates that identity. Mm -hmm. And I think that Beach Rats really gets to the heart and psychological depths of internalized homophobia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... It talks about how people are influenced and held back by their own communities Mm -hmm. um, when the only place they know is not hospitable towards who they are. How it's not as simple as saying, I'm gay and fuck Mm -hmm. you if you won't accept me. It it has a much more difficult
2: approach to it, which I think is more true to life. It's at Coney Island, which is so close to Greenwich Village. It's so close to Hell's Kitchen, but it's a world away. Yeah,
1: I, I love that too. Yeah, and he's stuck in his... It's New what, Jersey. So world. he's in Brooklyn, many, or oh, he is. He's it's in Brooklyn. New York. It's Coney Island. It's Brooklyn. Oh right, right, right. Sorry, but um, it, I just sorry, no. I know not, it feels like Jersey. It, Shore. That just feels the like Shore. point. Shore. Yeah, might as well <laughs> yeah. be another state. And it's yeah. like
2: we can say we want you know positive gay stories, but so many people in America live that live life. This yep. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and it's actually easy to see how someone in the closet like that grows resentful of people like the three of us who are able to just like display our own faggotry around town whenever we want mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um when they that is just sim- simply not an option for them right and it's not a matter of just moving out of town he's poor as fuck like yeah. he can't afford to move into the city mm-hmm. he can't afford to get kicked out of his home um it does a great job of um discussing what we all take
2: for granted i think on a certain level yeah
1: and Eliza
0: Hittman is just an incredible director yeah. in terms of light, texture. From tone. the beginning,
2: when he's taking selfies, in that's the what mirror, I'm thinking of. I'm yeah. just like, oh my god, this movie is already like calling me by my name. Yes, it's yes. just like,
1: what's her other film that I need to felt see? Like felt of, like love. Yeah, it yeah, is, yeah. It's
2: good, but it's not this good. Okay, I want to see it.
0: Yeah, Beach I Rats is her. another one that I think if I had seen again before we watched, it would have been higher up on my list. It is
1: uh, yeah, a I need film to revisit. I it. Is it out now? Yeah, yeah. you can, you can yeah, rent yeah. It. We can see it. Okay,
0: I think Eliza Hittman is bar none one of the most exciting American directors working today. Can't mm-hmm. wait to see what she does next. Yeah. she is just so evocative in what she chooses to put in the frame, mm-hmm. um, in in total control, mm-hmm. uh, which is rare for a sophomore filmmaker. Yeah, uh, very exciting
2: mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. see. Okay. He loves daddies. Makes me feel seen. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Um, <laughs> my mom is going to listen to this, so that's great. Hello. Hey, Vicky.
0: <laughs> uh, more Vickys to come, by the way, as we inch closer to our Ooh. top choices. Uh, my number Either. seven is Jordan Peele's surrealist masterwork, Get Out. Woo! I think one more it's of us needs coming, to bring it up. So, um, But I will just say, having watched it again... I'm even more in awe of his sense of control and the way that he is able to guide you through his vision and you want to go along with him for every step of it, no matter how difficult the territory becomes. He is in complete control.
2: I know we are going to talk about it, but the music, I just like to bring up the music. I love the music. That's all.
0: Yeah. I'm also, I know that we're going to do a full episode on get out, so I don't want to waste everything I have to say
1: about it, but uh, (laughs) I will talk more about it later. Get out. What number am I on? Six. 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 My number six. Ben. Do we have the same and number look at six? That. We share a number six oh my too. ba ba Okay. Star Wars. <laughs> <six>. <laughs> what Star- <laughs> Laura Dern's Star Wars The Last Jedi <laughs> <laughs> is my number six and is Ben's number six. Yes. This is, in my opinion, the best Star Wars movie so far. It is ri- what Ryan Johnson has done with the franchise, the the bold direction he has taken it, and the just craft he has delivered. Um, that, that scene where Laura Dern sacrifices herself and lightspeeds mm-hmm. herself, which is now a GIF online, is that correct? Yeah. And so you can watch it anytime you want, because it is silent, so it can be watched via GIF. <laughs> um, same impact. No pun intended. Oh my god. Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Adam Driver... They're all incredible there's this movie is is a a uh, is pop culture at its finest mm-hmm. What is the word pop art pop art at its mm-hmm. finest uh, Ben I'll let you speak further uh, it's just an amazing
2: movie about socialism and it's a stronger together movie as we said on our podcast about this movie mm-hmm. um, it's a masterpiece it's really just. It takes... It, it, it's a piece of
0: clockwork. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. down to every little screw and spring, mm-hmm. it is a perfectly fashioned instrument. Yeah. And on top of that, um, it is about the military-industrial complex. Mm-hmm. It is a big fuck you to the 1%. It is a stronger together movie. Um, and I admire the subtle ways that we watch character progression in this film. Um, and how we observe a lot of it through failure which is something that blockbuster films are uh, reticent to engage with Mm -hmm. because it complicates your ideas of heroism and progress and how to be a better person. Right. Um, Brandon, you are about to say something? I don't remember. But yeah, the the fact that it takes the hero story and flips it on its head. It's a striking Mm -hmm. piece of revisionism that burns the Jedi texts. Literally. And just because this is probably the last time we'll talk about Star Wars, The Last Jedi, since it's not going to get a Best Picture nomination, which is insane to me. (laughs)
1: Should it should it is a best picture nominee? Um,
0: I love this film as a piece of revisionism, uh, that tells people to burn their idols, um, to consider others and not just themselves, and that maybe we should stop looking, um, we should stop looking at what other people have done in the past and consider what maybe we should do, uh to forge a better path into the future. Mm-hmm. And I like that that pisses off the MRA folks who claim to be Star Wars fans and mm-hmm. Ghostbusters fans. I cannot tell you the joy that it brings me that those people
1: didn't get the Star Wars movie they wanted this year. Yeah, it's it's thrilling the backlash this mm-hmm. movie has received from hardcore fans. Yeah. It is it prominently men. It, it is why it's proof that this movie is as good as it is. Yeah. Because they don't like it. Mm
0: -hmm. And I just love the world weariness that Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill bring to their respective performances. Mm -hmm. And I think it underlines the whole... I've said underlines about a thousand times on this podcast. But the whole relationship this film has between the past and the present and adaptation. And it's... See, the thing about, like, uh, burning your idols, uh, that might be the wrong thing to say. Because it's not that you're ignoring their contributions or ignoring their wisdom. It's about once you start worshipping people as idols and mm-hmm. not the lessons that they have taught you, that is when you are bound to repeat the same mistakes. And it's no surprise that um, that uh, Kylo Ren worships Darth Vader to the point where he wants to be a carbon copy of him and why that's not really effective leadership. I mean, it's, it's completely morally and ethically bankrupt, but just as a mm-hmm. piece of leadership, like, it's not a good model. Um, and He's cosplaying. He's cosplaying. And then he shatters his helmet. And yeah. who has, someone made a he's really done? Oh, yeah. I, and I hope in, in episode nine we'll have an epic Kylo Ren meltdown in a closed space as well, oh, where oh, he yeah. beats up the walls around him. I don't know who said it on the internet, but it is really brilliant about how the only thing more in, That it's more insidious for this film to have a neo-Nazi as its villain rather than a Nazi. Like the idea mm. of someone who sees the atrocities of the past and thinks that's a good idea. Yeah. That someone can cannot learn from injustices and horrors of the past like that instead wanting to emulate them that is so much scarier mm-hmm. than just doing the exact same villains all over again yeah. and I think to say that's a
1: brilliant point mm-hmm. yeah I agree shout out to the Porgs shout out to the
0: Porgs love the Porgs <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay that's Star Wars Last Jedi we love it alright right. Uh, we, um, we've done an
0: episode on that too yeah um, number, number six is, yeah. for me is Sean Baker's The Florida Project <laughs> I think this is a stunning work of neo-realist empathy, um, that also is as engaging cinematically and as fresh cinematically as anything from the French New Wave. The fact that it manages to both be gritty realism and, uh, feature evocative camera work speaks to Sean Baker's multifaceted talents as a filmmaker. Um, we've already talked about this on the podcast as well, um, does anybody else want to say anything about it? I mean, I just don't want to repeat everything I've already no, said. Brooklyn,
1: no. Brooklyn Prince. Yeah, I would... I would, I would Price? Prince. Prince.
2: Prince. I was literally also just going to say her name.
1: She won the... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she won the Critics' Choice. She cried and invited all the other nominees to get ice cream with her. I mean, she is an angel. I hope she, she cries. At at watch her on Jimmy Kimmel movie, if you get a chance. Crashes crushes me. Yeah. Yep. Willem Dafoe is great. I hope he wins over Sam Rockwell. He won't. the love of God. I hope anyone wins you know over what? Sam Rockwell. Sam... That's not true. I'm sorry,
0: like you guys. I mean, we're all we're all united movie. in our distaste for three billboards. But Sam Rockwell is outstanding in this. He's song. great. And I just so wish is Frances McDormand. Right. Any other movie? Me too. But I I am thrilled that Francis McDormand is going to be a two time Oscar winner and that Sam Rockwell is going to win one. I am a huge Willem Dafoe fan. I would much rather him win for this. I'd rather Stolberg win than any of them. But Dafoe is my favorite of who will be the nominees. But I just can't get upset that Sam Rockwell is going to win an Oscar. I just no, can't I do agree. it. Fair? I just fair. can't do it, yeah, yeah, yeah. especially for such well. a brilliant performance. I can't.
2: Can't be mad. I will be mad if and when Three Billboards wins anything other than acting awards. Screenplay. Screenplay. No, I. No, they're gonna give it to Jordan Peele. Yeah, they gotta
1: give it to Jordan Peele. Yeah, Um, or Lady. No, probably Jordan Peele. It's gonna be Jordan Peele.
0: Anyway. um... Florida Project just a uh, amazing slice of life mm-hmm. piece of cinema. It's just a yeah.
1: perfect follow up to Tangerine for him. Yep, and I can't wait to see you know along with a lot of these filmmakers on our list. I can't wait to see what he does next. Yep, yeah. and
0: I hope that Bria Vaneite manages to find um, a career in film yeah. after this as well. She's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I agree um great
0: top five we're in top, top five top five territory top we haven't five. even hit two hours yet i'm so proud
2: of us I
1: know. um my number five and we have a lot
2: of overlaps. so it's gonna go fast yes
1: uh yeah we have a lot of overlaps in the top five okay my number five is paul thomas anderson's phantom thread i nice. will do do <laughs> do 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 i will not say anything right now <laughs> okay not uh... even a thing what thing
0: I'm scared that Ben and I are gonna suck all the oxygen out of the room by the time yeah you let to me think play. what I wanna
1: say about it I recently added a PTA ranked list on my letterbox I liked it already um yeah how did you find it <laughs> you just have cause I saw it in my uh, newsfeed or whatever oh, it's, it's it called under my newsfeed. Mm-hmm. in parens I put don't yell at me um because I probably get yelled at for how low the master is but uh I wanted to yell at you for not having punch drunk love at the top which you claimed on the Phantom Thread episode. I decided that my personal favorite is Punch Rock Love, but objectively, I think the best film is There Will Be Blood because it's just it's just up here, you know, yeah. Yeah. compared to everything else. Brandon uh, is pointing towards the ceiling. Yeah, I'm just pointing to the sky. Um but uh Phantom There are
0: giants th- in the sky. <laughs> uh,
1: Dreamboat City. <laughs> um my uh, Phantom Thread is number 3 PTA for me. Uh I loved it a lot. It's it's the most passionate I've been about a Paul Thomas Anderson film um, since Punch Drunk Love, probably because of all the humor in it. Mm. I really love that about this film. Um, and the score, I was listening to it over the weekend. Woo, that score. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, that's all I'll say. Okay. More to come. (laughs) I'll let you two take it and run. (laughs) More to come. More to come.
2: My number five is on the beach at night alone. Um, Hell yeah! Top five. Wow, I didn't realize how high it was. Yep. Um, Kim and he gives one of my favorite. Probably it's hard to say if she's my most favorite female performance of the year, but she's definitely top two. Um, She's having a breakdown. I'm always like
1: this. What is the line?
2: Something, something like that. I'm like this every day. <laughs> I'm like that this every day. Just, After I'm someone's like, like this... she's
0: drunk. She's yeah. She she she's sorry. Like she won't be like this tomorrow. And She says it with glee. And yeah, she's, yeah, she's Smiling. cracking up. Yeah, <laughs> I
2: like this every day. Um, like Daniel said, it's just a really beautiful movie about getting over a relationship in the way that uh, when some like uh, some relationships devastate us to our core because it hits upon something. Though we didn't know needed breaking in our souls, and um, when the movie started, I wasn't sure if I would get over the camera work, because he shoots on such cheap cameras, and mm-hmm. he just, like, he makes these movies in five days or whatever, mm-hmm. and then he throws I, them I think together. it makes it
0: more emotionally immediate, which yes. is something I said about Tangerine when that came out, that mm-hmm. it's shot on an iPhone, it's a much more recognizable quality, and yeah. the fact that he shoots it on such a shitty camera... Mm-hmm. Uh, the grain of it, uh, it, it is some, it's an image that we're accustomed to, and it, mm-hmm. and it makes us grain, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, sort of burrow into the character yeah. psychology even more immediately.
2: And it's um, a movie that uh, is also a ghost story. The relationship is yes. the ghost here, and uh, I love the dreamlike realism. It's a very... It's it's a very interesting movie the way that it's structured yeah when she lays down on the beach that's a big Mm. turning point point, right? and you don't know what's real and what is actually happening and I just think it's a really powerful moving film
0: I love the way that Hong Sang-soo uses repetition and deviation Mm -hmm. and every scene on the beach in that movie is a
1: great example of that shout Um, out to The Window Washer yeah
0: I love The Window Washer He's so aggressive. He's so funny. <laughs> um, I think that On the Beach at Night Alone also captures the sensation of waiting <laughs> really yeah. well. Yeah. And all the cafes and everything that she's in, and she's mm-hmm. just waiting for the other people to show up and how waiting when you are heartbroken and depressed just becomes its own crucible for loneliness and the whole movie is just in that space for me and um and the way that like the people around her are trying to help and the people that she will let in and the people she pushes away it's very true to life when you're in a
2: situation like that yeah i was gonna say um i haven't had a traumatic relationship like this but i in my adult life have experienced a trauma that made me just recede from the world for a year like literally a full year and then Really feels like this has become her life, and she doesn't mm-hmm. know what the way forward this yet. is the lost
0: year or so of mm-hmm. her life mm-hmm. because guess. people recognize her as a famous actress throughout right. the movie, and she's just doing fuck all mm-hmm. she's disappearing into the wings mm-hmm. and i I also think that's very true to life, yeah, I think it's a beautiful movie and um I would recommend that people check out um, both the day after, which I didn't like so much, but Kim min Hee is outstanding in, and then Claire's camera, which reunites Hong Sang-soo with Isabel Luper. that's a really funny movie too. Um, also be
2: one really accessible Kim Min-He performance.
1: Take a look at the Handmaiden Check out the Handmaiden. The Handmaiden, the Handmaiden. Oh, Yeah. I can't wait to She's revisit that. that. And we'll talk
0: about Kink and Twisty Romance more as the list goes on.
1: Yeah. Mm. Uh, go for it. Yeah. My
0: number five is Agnes Varda and Jr's Faces Places. Nice. Whoa. We're going to talk about this one more as we go on, but I will just say that uh, prior to this film, my relationship with Varda was predominantly in her narrative work um, and also almost exclusively tied to the French New Wave um, this year I got really invested in her documentary work as a result of this. Um, not just Beaches of Enyes and Gleaners and I, but a movie like Murmurs, Mirror which is outstanding and, and extremely moving and, uh, also showcases Varda's, uh, fascination with time, um, and the way that we leave things in the past and they return to us in our present and future. Um, and we'll talk more about Faces Places, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. as we move
1: up the list. My number four is Jordan Peele's Get Out. Nice. baby. It was one of the first movies I saw, I think, in 2017, in February when it came out. And when I saw it, I knew I was watching a major work from a major new voice in film. Um, And I'm thrilled that 11 months later, we're still talking about it it is the movie of 2017 i think Mm -hmm. it may not be the best movie but it is the
2: movie it is the cultural juggernaut of Mm -hmm. the year
0: it articulates this moment in a way that no other film or speaker has been able to and the fact that it does it so slyly um with surrealism with satire with subtext speaks to peel's um exciting talents as a director and as a writer, which we already knew. But on the cover of The Hollywood this. Reporter,
2: there was a full... Like, they put full-page ads on top of the cover. And um, one recently had, like, a poll quote. I don't remember who said it, but it was... Uh, this is not just the movie the moment. This is the movie that saw the moment coming. Yes. yes. He made this movie before Let's not forget, happened.
0: this movie was supposed to come out a month into the Hillary Clinton presidency. Right. And that doesn't change anything about it. Right. The, everything that is true in this movie would have still been true and in a way it's interesting to think about how this movie would have been received under Clinton mm-hmm. I think that it would involve more um, soul searching yeah uh, whereas in the Trump Absolutely. in the Trump era everyone uh, I'm sorry by everyone uh, I, I mean white people right. and I'm showing my own whiteness by saying everyone mm-hmm. um, it's so much easier for white people to attach themselves to this movie in the Trump era right. um, because especially white liberals um, who are the villains of the film. Mm -hmm. Um, If Clinton had been elected, I think that would have been a much more difficult pill for people to swallow. Um, And I... Again, we're going to talk about this movie uh, on the podcast, so I don't want to
1: go too far into it. It's an entire get-out episode dedicated. But the Uh, I will just say,
0: uh really quick, the tensions of the film are both in the subtext, or or, or in what characters are not saying to one another, and... uh, just like within the cinematic devices of the movie, within the editing, within the shooting, what's in the frame, what's not in the frame, yeah. like Peel is both working in cinematic language and in the speech of 2017, mm-hmm. um, in terms of social codes and code switching, um, it, it's it's a in that we're, in, in that way it's like a multilingual film, uh, and on both levels it's totally
1: fascinating. Yeah,
2: and Daniel Kaluuya,
1: Jesus. Christ. I hope Daniel Kaluuya gets in the five. I thought I I really I think, I think he will. I think. He- that would be amazing um, I wish Catherine Keener was in the conversation uh, I, wish, I wish Betty Gabriel and uh, Lakeith yeah. Stanfield were too yeah um cast Allison Williams is the best villain we received in 2017 uh her that image of her just eating the, the Fruit Loops and sipping on milk is mm-hmm. just no
0: one will ever got milk again <laughs> after
1: this movie oh man um, there's nothing
0: encouraging about my bones yeah when it comes to milk, now I'm just chilled to the bone.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm still... I'm just gonna keep putting it out there. I I think this is our best picture winner. I know it's probably not, but I'm just gonna put it out there that I okay. think it... God, I hope so. It's one of the strongest. It's one of the three. Mm-hmm. It's one of the three. I agree. And it should be the one. Yeah. But we'll see. Um, I yeah, that's all can't. I have to say about Get Out. Um... I haven't seen it since I saw it in February. Wow. I can't wait. I can't to spend a whole
2: episode talking about this movie. It was yeah. the last movie I watched of 2017. I left it, it was the first movie I watched in 2018. I left Akbar. <laughs> no, you didn't.
1: <laughs> yes, you did. I remember. I, was, I
2: had started it earlier that day. So I went home and as I chugged a bottle of water before bed, I finished Get Out. So I guess it was 2018 because I didn't leave until it was after midnight. midnight. But...
1: So it was both of your first films of 2018. How fun.
2: But I have to say, Carol was the first movie I saw in 2018 because that's my tradition. <laughs> right,
1: I failed my tradition. It's your routine. It what was my, routine. my What was my first 2018? Oh, it was Brief Encounter. Um, I love Get Out. I love Jordan Peele. Blumhouse must be thrilled, mm-hmm. <laughs> beside themselves. I mean. Blumhouse uh, yeah. isn't
0: going to see another you know, success like this no. when it comes to well, until, critical, until critical attention. Until Gordon Peele makes his next movie for If them. he does it with Blumhouse, I mean, I don't think he has to anymore. Oh, really? It de- it, we'll see if he decides to stay like that. I mean, he's going to yeah. get such a big budget
1: for his next film. I mean, yeah. there's a reason why Get Out is nominated for the Independent Spirit Awards. It was made on a very small budget. Yeah. So he plans to make another cultry, culturally conscious thriller. Social thriller, right? Social thriller. Yeah. That's what they're being yeah, called. Um... So that's my number four Ben what is your number four um I would like to preface my top
2: four by saying that each one could be number one um my number four is Ladybird <laughs> it's my number four too nice Aww. um if each of these movies took a stint at my number one of the year when I saw them yeah and uh, what is there to say about Ladybird that we personally haven't said on this podcast before? Lady Bird. Um, Lady Bird. Lady (laughs) Lady Bird. Bird. I'm going to save my comments. Laurie Metcalf. Oh, right. Yeah, Yeah. Laurie Metcalf. We can just have like a full conversation later unless you want to put something in right now. There's nothing I can say that we haven't already said
0: on the mic. I just saw it for the third time. I think it is a work of uncommon depth and the fact that it moves so confidently and so briskly uh, without even... Without you even realizing how much the film is saying, scene to scene, just speaks to Gerwig's talents mm-hmm. as a filmmaker. That she does not belabor any point in this movie, and yet it is so full of wisdom and truth and observations about parents and children, specifically mothers and daughters, um, without ever using exclamation points. I just think it's a miracle. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, an extremely exciting film by a new American filmmaker. Um, I recently saw a tweet online that was trying to dismiss this movie. Um, and honestly, with some sort of woke angle that it's just about like a bratty teen like you who thinks
1: that she's special. It is a female story well, hold on. directed by a female
0: film. Right, but it's more than that. I mean, anyone who has a parent should find this film to be extremely uh, wise and deep. I mean, mm-hmm. the movie never evangelizes Ladybird. Lady Bird is often in the wrong throughout mm-hmm. the film. This movie is not celebrating her as an unimpeachable figure. This movie, the, this movie is primarily about the relationship between her and her mother, mm-hmm. and how they have difficult, difficult, um, they have difficulty communicating with one another because they're speaking different languages. And I'm so fucking sorry. But if that doesn't strike you as an important thing to make movies about, then I don't know what you want movies yeah. to be about.
1: If Lady Bird wins Best Picture, people
0: calling this movie slight. I
1: I just can't. If Lady Bird wins Best Picture, it will be the first movie in 90 years of the Academy Awards, am I wrong, to be about... A woman. A woman directed Directed by by a woman. Correct.
0: Well, it would be the first movie ever (laughs) to win the Oscar under that criteria. Yeah. Yes. I mean, come on.
1: (laughs) That's it's it's yeah. i mean there are so few
2: movies about women about that that have won best picture even directed by a man
1: yeah <sighs> just and that. the fact that greta got the dga nomination and the fact that she will knock on wood go on to get the best picture uh, best um to be the fifth director fifth. female filmmaker hmm. to be nominated for best director it and be it's a richly deserved female story too mm-hmm. on top of that
0: I think this movie just has such a rich sense of humor and time and place um, that it's easy to get swept up in that mm-hmm. um, and to think of it as purely a comedy. Um, but it does have so much more going on than that and, while still being hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it's. I love a movie
1: made by a filmmaker who loves their characters. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that was your number four. My number th- three is Faces Places. Nice. And it is yours Which is as my well, number then. three.
2: Nice. Uh, and it's the movie that I most cannot believe is number one. I just, it's hard for me to believe I didn't. I can't believe going. it's five for me.
1: Yeah. This little gem of a movie made me feel like I was floating away on a cloud. Mm-hmm. It just, empathy. I mean, we talk about empathy all the time uh, here, but this is the embodiment of that. Mm-hmm. Um, just viewing other people and. Like, the shot of the woman seeing her face mm-hmm. on the thing, mm-hmm. or the, the on the wall, or the three women standing literally in their hearts on the shipping containers. People want to write this
0: movie off, too, as being light, but yeah. marshmallow fluff is not a naturally occurring substance. Like, it takes a, an amazing filmmaker with a skillful eye and a rich sense of curiosity and empathy... To be able to sweep you off your feet like mm-hmm. this and make you fall in love with every character in it. And it's JR, too. The
2: guy who's about and to his retire. Arms. I think about him a lot. And he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do next because I've never been retired before. And he's just so happy. He's just, mm-hmm. This is my last day of working ever. And he doesn't know what he's going to do. And it just, it's a beautiful love letter to the people of France mm-hmm. that don't live in the city of Paris. And... Uh,
0: and about why their stories are worth telling. Yes. And it's just, um,
2: I'm a lost for words. I'm so tired. I'm we, sorry. No, it's okay. We'll, we'll blow <laughs> through this. Not because of this, but just, I'm... No, not I, I understand. Uh,
0: uh. We I don't think that we talked about on our podcast about Faces Places, which I encourage people to see the movie and to listen to our episode. Mm-hmm. Watch the movie is more important. It's gotta more. be on VOD
1: soon. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to, yeah. It's got to be out soon. And In
0: a Just World is nominated for best documentary, yeah. and I think it'll happen.
1: But I think it. I would hope
0: we did not talk about the goats' horns. <laughs> oh, which are such a wonderful uh, piece of this uh, tapestry.
2: Yeah, it's great. And the, when uh, he takes his picture, her picture, and he's like, "This could be on the plate in front of the <laughs> oh, photo of the goat."
1: And <laughs> Agnes's toes. Uh, are in Los Angeles. If you go to La Cienega and Washington mm, and there's a little bridge and you can see it from Washington and from La Cienega there's a little like Davis Tire place on the corner but if you look nice. on that building you uh, can see her toes. I just love and, so her toes are in LA.
0: And I would just say to anyone listening who lives in Los Angeles watch the documentary Murmurs um, because most of those murals are the movie is about uh, murals in Los Angeles. It's from when Jacques Demy and Agnes Varda were living in Los Angeles. Um, most of the murals are still there, and you will see them as you go across town. Yeah. Um, the other day I was working on a film shoot, and I parked in a garage right outside one of the murals, and I was my breath was taken away. Um, and, yeah, most of them are still there. And if you loved Faces Places, definitely watch Beaches of Agnes and Gleaners and I, but also watch Mirror Mirrors, which is amazing.
2: Amazing. I think it's... Um... A really profound, like, artistic statement for her entire career, and I think it is a wonderful career capper. And I said this about um, Twin Peaks, The Return, and I would say about Twin this, that Twin it about this. Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. the it is the movie that you hope your faves are gonna make in their latter years. Yes. Set either their senses become dulled or they don't have the money or there's something that keeps them from making an opus like this and she did it and she's been making movies for almost 60 years Mm -hmm. and it I think it's a great fuck you to Jean-Luc Godard
1: (laughs) oh my god yeah (laughs) who
2: speaking of rats in film yeah um and I think this this she needs to take Godard's place in the pantheon. I said it on our episode, but when you think about the French New Wave, you
0: think about disruption in cinema. You think about audiences' expectations being undercut by cuts. Mm-hmm. Jean-Luc, Garda- Jean-Luc Godard does that with contempt for the audience. Mm-hmm. Agnes Varda does it with a playful quality where she invites the audience to come along with her. Yeah. And that is why I think that she is the best filmmaker from the French New Wave Uh, and it's because of her compassion and it's not about her exhibiting her own intellectual capacity in a way that is a fuck you to the audience. She is not a fuck you. She is a big welcoming hug Mm -hmm. and an invitation to join the party. Yes. And I I admire movies about that Mm -hmm. and not movies that are not like that.
2: And I know a lot of people who like dislike Godard's more experimental works they still love the 60s movies. I'm going to just say I like two Jean-Luc Godard movies and they are Breathless and Alphaville because they're the only two movies that have any sort of feeling to them in my opinion
0: it's just so easy to like watch Godard and be like oh my god look Mm -hmm. what he's doing it's like yeah I, I, I understand that you appreciate the way he scrambles narrative but is it coherent is he saying anything apart from look what I can do with the form right Whereas Varda ties it into the very condition of the human soul. Mm-hmm. And that is why movies exist.
1: Fuck you. Faces, Whoa. places.
2: Faces, places. Faces, Vis- 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 places. <laughs> visage, visage. I do think I think it's the most radical and like form-pushing movie of the year. Even though it is my number three, it's a movie mm-hmm. that I've never seen before. And I mean, Absolutely. Now, my, my two and one, I have not seen those movies before but there's i don't know it's the way that it melds documentary and fiction and what it is, what it says also about the things that we leave behind
0: mm-hmm. ghosts it is a it's magical a motion picture mm-hmm. it is and it's pure it, magic it builds
2: mm-hmm. what it's about brick by brick it really it starts as a slight travelog mm-hmm. and, and then it grows it grows and becomes one of like it is deeply sad to me mm-hmm. yeah um, Well also being joyful at the same time. It's a very melancholy. It's it's the end of Inside Out. It's sadness and happiness together.
0: And it will probably be Varda's last film. Mm -hmm. So as a swan song, it does work on all those levels as well.
2: Yeah. Masterpiece. Okay. Uh your number three.
0: My number three. Uh this is a film called Call Me by Your Name. Wow. I uh,
1: haven't heard of that one. No, yeah.
0: I, don't, I don't believe it's been discussed much. No one what's, talks
2: about that movie. What I'm, what what's I'm, this film? Well,
0: what I'm thankful about "Calling By Your Name is that yeah. no one has taken ownership of you it.
2: your next, right? Yeah. And then it's my next, so we can all talk oh, about it. Oh, group conversation. Oh, group it's, conversation. It's your number three. It's Brandon's number two. It's my number two. So we can all talk about it, because that's the sequence that it would go in. Great. Okay. Let's dive in. Let's get into it. It is a
0: feast for the senses. Mm-hmm. It is a deeply felt portrait of uh, burgeoning identity. It is a film about both libidinal and soulful desire. Um, It is uh, firmly rooted in its time and place. Uh, It features the best performance of the year in Timothée Timothée Chalamet. Chalamet. Um, I mean, we've already talked about this movie so much, and I don't want to hog the horn
1: here. So, Brandon, let's get you on the horn. Um this movie, the way it captures desire and first love and that first feeling that you get, you know, it it makes you think about your own first love feeling. Mm -hmm. And in that, it's so powerful. It is... A movie has never made me feel that before. Like, Mm. hmm? the, the, the way Timothy it's sad that uh Oliver's not coming to dinner yeah the way he is checking his watch during that entire sequence the way he he hears Oliver's voice it, in the distance it uses and you, all of the you of, feel yes. that flutter of his heart you feel that in yourself and that's yeah. <gasps> incredible yeah and it does it through all the forces of cinema to yep. establish those
0: emotional stakes yeah. sound score editing, sound, editing sound, cinematography yeah. acting yeah all back
2: of to Varda versus Godard it's one of the most academically rigorous movies of the year, but it is purely in service of what these two, well, more characters than two, are going through. Um,
1: And this is without even bringing up Stolbarg, who gives the... I mean, that's my performance. Move aside Tom Hanks. It's not
0: about Sully, it's about Steli.
2: People (laughs) want to minimize his performance to the scene, and obviously it is part what, of it, it one is of the most th- powerful pieces of acting yes that has ever been recorded in film but he's he's such a good dad <laughs> such a good dad and I don't mean that he the character is a good father I mean Michael Stolberg plays a dad so well I like watching
0: Oops. Michael Stolberg get excited about archaeology yeah. discovery <laughs> so linguistics in that yeah. one eggs he's like, Woo! <laughs> yes yes <laughs> Yes, <laughs> it's, so when when we recorded, we were pretty the Call Me by Your Name episode. We were pretty sure that Stolberg was going to be in the Oscar conversation. Yeah. What a waste!
1: Yeah, to the fact to not that include he him. is is likely going to be snubbed on um, tomorrow when these come out. Um, right? Is look at us spending tragic. space and time. I know is tragic. It is. I still think. Who's Gideon instead? Woody Harrelson. I still think Michael Stolberg is.
0: I I hope so. I love Woody Harrelson. If you haven't seen the People vs. Larry Flint, he and Courtney Love are outstanding in that movie. Woody Harrelson is Woody Harrelson. He's a great actor, but for three billboards, give me a break. Mm -hmm. Give Mm -hmm. me a break. Mm
2: -hmm. Them billboards ain't very fair. (laughs) Whoa. Um,
1: How come? (laughs) How come? (laughs) Calling by your name is great. How come? How come? I don't know. Um, call me by your name. Hmm. What else is there to say? It is wonderful. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I don't want to retry to do us. Yeah, call listen, me by listen your to name episode. Episode. Listen, to, listen to the episode. Listen to us white gays waxing about. Ooh, I got an HQ notification. Oh, Turn that fuck. off. Oh, so we've officially six been six recording o'clock. for over two hours then. <laughs> hey, it's HQ. We're live right now. Come play. Uh-oh. I'm busy, bitch. I don't need to win $7. <laughs> I'm busy, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's um, keep this. Uh, say. So that was my two. That was your two. This takes us to Daniel's number two, which is, drumroll.
0: Number two. This is a film by one of our greatest filmmakers, a gay man who has been completely underrated throughout his career and has made what is one of his best films this year in A Quiet Passion by Terrence motherfucking Davies. Applause, applause,
2: applause. Terrence with one R. Terrence with one R. <laughs> That's how I think of him, because of uh, Malik is the two R Terrence, and Davies is the one R. Thank you, I'm sorry. Thank, thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Well, this the, is where my the, mind
0: is going lo- at this <laughs> The long day closes is not a bad phrase to kick off A Quiet Passion, because this movie is so much about death. Um, well, just me too, um, but that this movie is really wrestling with the idea that eventually our long days will close. Um, my passion was also very funny It's can I just read my letterbox review because yes, everything please. I want to say I may okay absolutely and, yeah. I, and, and only because there's no way that I can off the cuff say how I feel yeah. about this movie and I wrote it down specifically for this reason so go for it do it To use Emily Dickinson's Mortal Hours as a prism through which to measure the mercury of the soul is one thing. To fold her internal fight for the very nature of it into an unflinching meditation on the ephemeral grain of earthly time and its deceptively plain-spoken march towards death is another. To elicit the fears and frustrations that come along with sincerely believing in the capacity of life, placing your trust in the people around you, and toiling in the conscience of your own imagination is one more to transmit the immediate rapture of her poetry into the pleasures of fleeting presentness, and the horrors of bodily betrayal is a stroke of genius to also be the bridesmaids of period pieces. Well, <laughs> that just makes this the thing with goddamn feathers on it, y'all. And that's how I feel about A Quiet nice. Passion.
1: That's, Brent- that's that on that.
0: Well, Cynthia Nixon is extraordinary.
1: She should be in the best
0: She should be in the best, best actress conversation. I think that um, this movie... I mean, Cynthia Nixon is incredible in the way that she is able to portray a fight for her soul... Um, most of which is subtextual, is genius. I think that this movie is a brilliant piece of direction and understands the medium very well from the get-go. We first meet Emily when she is at the Holyoke School, Um, and it is a group shot of all the students, all the women in the room, and the headmistress is talking about if you think your soul has been saved by Christ, move to the right, Then half of the room goes to the right, and then she says, if you're not ready uh, to go as far as that, but if you believe that there is absolution for you in the future, go to the left. Everyone goes to the left, except for Emily Dickinson, Mm -hmm. who stands in the very middle. And that is just a brilliant piece of visual storytelling and direction to show that this woman will not be told what to do, doesn't play by anyone's rules, and yet believes in the sanctity of her soul and believes in the rapture. of a a higher power but is not going to be told by someone that in order to believe in God she has to go to church Um, to be a creative person she has to operate in this specific way Um, the way that she is both the best friend and mortal enemy of everyone in her family Um, I think this is an ecstatic motion picture and indescribably beautiful and has so much wisdom about life and the ways in which we spend it and Nixon's great Jennifer Ely it's fabulous mm-hmm. in this film. Um, I really Emily's love...
2: death scene is really special.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to speak about it? Because I know that you don't, like, you don't, you no. don't love it as much as I do. So no. What like... is, so do you I mean, have you something know I, to say? I just
2: think that um, Terrence Davies has lost something going to digital, which is not his fault. Like I'm not saying he's worse on digital. I'm just saying that the texture of film is so important to his early work because um, it's like I can't get past the digital sheen of this and Sunset Song I still think he paints with light in a way yeah Um, and, and I'm willing to be proven wrong because I said I was going to watch this movie again Um. yeah
0: I, I, I think that there's something about the digital quality of the film I, it doesn't bother me as much as it does you but that is you know I said at the very beginning 10 hours ago that my top 10 is interrogating history in a way mm-hmm And I think that the digital photography puts blood back in Emily Dickinson's veins. Mm. Um, If you know anything about her, her life, or her poetry, you shouldn't find her to be a boring figure. You shouldn't find her to have static opinions about life, religion, the world around her. Like, she was a very um, mercurial person um, who was Mustang-like and refused to play by the rules in a lot of ways and yet also is deeply sad. But similarly to how um, Selma uh, recreated... we're not recording this on MLK Day, but we are recording this on MLK Day, um, and that it won't be released on that day. But that movie also does a great job of reminding you that this was a person. Uh, they are a hero to people. They are an icon, but they were also a person mm-hmm. with flaws. They made mistakes. And when they made the right decision, it becomes even more exciting um, in that light. Um and I also love the way that the characters morph into their older versions of themselves in this movie, which is very digital, mm-hmm. um, because this movie is so much about time um, and about the way that it deteriorates your physical being and how some people become embittered, like Aunt Elizabeth. By the way, one of the great scenes of the year is the Dickinson kids dragging Aunt Elizabeth um, in the parlor, and then she says to Emily's mother, like, Emily! Emily! how dare you let your children do this to me? Like you haven't said anything. And then Emily's mother basically says like, well, my silence is another way of condemning you. (laughs) Um, And and, anyway, I I love the digital morph of the people moving into their older versions of themselves, because Mm -hmm. I think that it really underlines a lot of the themes of the film as regards to time. Brandon, do you have anything to say?
1: I just like the tea scene. Oh, (laughs) funniest scene of the year. Yeah. Where she offers her more hot water. Yeah, whatever. I don't. Well, I, I've seen I it got it wrong. I,
0: I thought that it was hot water, but watching it again recently, so Emily and Vinny are sitting down with the Reverend that Emily has a crush on and the Reverend's mm-hmm. wife for tea, and the Reverend's wife refuses the tea. She because, just wants hot water. Well, no, she just wants cold water. Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> she doesn't want hot water. No, they offer her tea. She's like, no stimulants. They're like lemonade. She's like, I'm more of a solange girl. And they're like,
1: water. She's like, eight.
0: But the, the scene, that scene, just like the way that Cynthia Nixon and Jennifer Ely are looking at one another, it's just so like great. doing everything they can not to laugh. Yeah. And then, and then when Jennifer Ely pours the water, which is the second funniest pouring of water mm-hmm. in the cinema this uh, year. Mm-hmm. And then that uh, uh, Emily says to the ref like, you want to go for a walk around the grounds? He's like, yeah, sure. And then he's like, do you want to come too, to the Reverend's wife? And she's like, I don't like the outdoors. And then Emily's (laughs) like, well, I'm sure it will be Vinny's pleasure to spend time with you in here. And then they leave and we just see um, (laughs) Jennifer Ely across the table from the Reverend's wife. And there's a pause. And she says, more water?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love this movie too. Um, It's number 13 on my list. I have nothing more to say. You said it all. It's great.
0: Watch a quiet passion on Amazon Prime. Great. Also yes, Amazon it's movie. on Amazon Prime.
2: What? I said yes, it's also an Amazon movie. It's okay. not an
0: Amazon movie. Um But it's on but Amazon. But it's on Amazon. Amazon. Music Box Music Box
1: bought it Oh okay Well it's on Amazon Prime And
0: the only reason I know that Is because every time I tweeted about it Music Box Films Was (laughs) there to (laughs) like the twit Nice Oh
1: good They should um The most $10 That's
0: honestly $15 or $20 I made a lot of original Quiet Passion gifts this year Thank you
1: Music Box For your contribution To Movies IMO (laughs) We're at number one We're at number one Ladies and gentlemen Best films of of the year Okay Yikes. Let's do this thing. Let's finish this. It's... We've been talking a long time. My number one movie of the year is Lady Bird. Yeah. Woo! Greta Gerwig's directorial debut, Lady Bird. Solo. Solo. Directorial debut. What? She directed a movie with Joe Swanberg. Oh. Nights and oh. weekends. I didn't know she co-directed that. Yeah. Well, negate every, negates everything I'm about to say. <laughs> I know nothing. Um wow i did not know that Mm -hmm. um i thought she only was only in nights and weekends anyway okay solo directorial debut pardon me um brandon you're the serial of the podcast everything you're saying is right. keep going (laughs) thank you um lady bird is a movie that affected me in a way that a movie hasn't in years uh I don't know what more to say that we haven't already said. It's just it, it's it's hilarious. It's profound. It's poignant. The performances are amazing. The writing's incredible.
2: We haven't said Laurie Metcalf's name, no. so I just would like to say her name. Laurie no.
1: Metcalf, Timothy Chalamet, <sighs> Lucas Hedges, Lucas Hege- Beanie. Hedges, Beanie Beanie Feldstein, Tracy Lett, Lath- Lois, Smith! Lath- this Lois, 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 Smith. This Lois Smith. This is what I'll say. This is what I'll say. Watching
0: it for the third time. Lois Smith's character is so much more important than I think I was giving her credit for before. I mean, she is the one who pushes Lady Bird to theater in the first place. Mm-hmm. She is the one who, remi- who who tells Lady Bird, oh no, you love this place. So that later in the film, when Lady Bird goes to church... She's going in a way because Lois Smith was the one who finally told her, like, shook her and was like, "No, no, no! You, you do not hate it as much as you do. Like, yeah. you have a bigger spirit than can fit your body, and you want to fly off elsewhere. But
1: you do love where you come from." And when
2: she drove in Sacramento for the first time, would she have mm-hmm. cared if Lois Smith hadn't had that conversation? Right. Yeah. And
1: and and one of the best lines of the year is maybe sometimes love. What is it? Love is. Don't you think there may be the Don't same thing? Don't you think thing, that the same love thing? Love and attention. Thank you. The best quote of the year and I can't remember it. Um, well, so thank you. I, um, I just...
0: But, uh, well, no, go ahead. Please. Uh,
1: rewatching it, the most recent time I saw it, um, I dragged my grandma and my aunts and my parents to see it because um, they all need to see it. Um, the... When Laurie Metcalf in the beginning says, the, I think the first... Not the first line in the movie. Um, but the last line before they're in the car is, are you ready to go home? And that's like, mm. that's the, I never realized that that's the theme of the movie. Yeah. She flies away home either. at the end. That's lovely. Um, Greta Gerwig. She is an incredible inspiration, mm-hmm. I think. Um, she, the fact that she, so I knew I was in love with her writing from Frances Ha and Mistress America, two movies I love. And then this movie was just a complete, just purely her. She took what she did on in the writing of those two movies, the co-writing of those movies, and did what she wanted to do for this, and it's just...
0: There's a tentative... She, she's such an artist. There's a tentative screenwriting that you enter a scene as late as possible and you leave it as early as possible, and Greta demonstrates... An extreme skill for this and ties it into the memory poem quality of the film Mm -hmm. that she never belabors the point she never overstays her welcome in a scene she gets to the very essential meat of it the marrow of the scene and moves on as a director she employs a tact and sensitivity for her characters and their surroundings how to cover a scene that is
1: that 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 she makes it
0: seem so easy but yeah. if you actually pay attention to the way these scenes are constructed and the way they are blocked, let's set the writing aside for a second, but the way that she is blocking these scenes mm-hmm. and covering the scenes, there is nothing off the cuff about it, no matter how simple it seems. Right. I- she has a penetrating eye for how to get to the heart of a scene. Yeah. And, you get, and I, I tweeted this the other day because it's absolutely true. One of the best pieces of directing this year is when Laurie Metcalf is outside the dressing room at the thrift store and Lady Bird is inside trying on the dress and the scene is shot completely from outside the dressing room. And it gets to the heart of the, that mother-daughter relationship mm-hmm. with simplicity that is essential. Mm-hmm. And any other director would have had a shot of Lady Bird rolling her eyes in the dressing room. Maybe she covered it, right. but realized in post it was unnecessary. Yeah, This movie just never goes out of its way to prove in its in point. Movie. In a
1: perfect world, this gets ad- nominated for Best Editing right. in a movie. I mean, the editing also plays a huge part in the way it feels like a tone poem of memories. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so happy that uh, clip exists online of her directing the scene between Lucas in and Saoirse in the Rose Garden. And the Rose Garden. <laughs> go left, go left. And then the, 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 the way she says the fall final closer. thing. Yeah, and then the final fall, and then she's like, and then kiss. And the way she says that is just mm-hmm. so... So clearly, even in her directing, it's just... I mean, she wore a fucking prom dress Um, to direct the prom scene. Consider... This is a director who has so much compassion Mm -hmm. for what she's doing, and it's just amazing. I hate to choose... I love
0: her. I hate to choose the patriarchal figure of the film to validate her skills, but consider Tracy Letts, who is maybe the greatest American playwright working today. He has spent an innumerable amount of time around top-notch creatives mm-hmm. and he has been one of her greatest advocates yeah. Not, but the reason I bring up him is because every actor who's on this set has so many praises to sing for her think of Laurie Metcalf one of our most distinguished American, act- American actresses is in love with her mm-hmm. Sir Sharon, growing up to become one of our great, Amer- our great international actresses is obsessed with her as a mm-hmm. mentor mm-hmm. like Everyone who was involved with this film can't say enough good things about her and that's because they were with her when she was creating this vision and it shows on the screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sersha is now inspired
1: to direct because yeah. of Greta.
0: I would say that by the way Sersha doesn't yeah. rhyme with Inertia. Sersha
2: is
1: Inertia. Yeah. After this performance. Hell Yeah. Um possibly best actress winner. Possibly. I, it'll be Frances, but it, uh
2: but we can hope. But she is it's like Isabel, like we know she's number 2 and that's comforting. Yes. Yeah. Um what was I going to say? I don't know oh I think um, almost everyone that has reviewed this movie has taken it for granted that um, the like the traditional love story arc of the movie is between a girl and her mother slash a girl and her best friend yes. who is a female yes mm-hmm. and yes there are romantic entanglements but she has two. But they get painted over. And they are not important to nope. I mean, they are important over. to her development as a human being, but they this story They're phases not... she
0: has to get through. Yes. Exactly. They're not things she will hold on to in the storm.
2: And exactly. that the the big hurrah moment is Lady Bird and Julie dancing at prom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's my favorite thing in the movie. Because sersha is so free and it is so alive. And it's deeply radical. Like we championed Bridesmaids a lot when that came out for its depiction of female relationships, but there's still the Chris O'Dowd story that is a bummer. Is a bummer, and it shouldn't be No matter how charming he is. Yeah, it shouldn't be in the movie, personally, I feel. Yeah. I
1: don't I disagree, but
2: I I see where you're going with this. I don't want it in the movie. And that's has that has always been my big criticism of the movie and It is uh, the biggest
1: part of the movie because the movie is about female friendship and
2: Lady Bird is able to do away with that because it's not a big studio movie. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a better film for that.
0: Yeah. My favorite on-screen relationship of the year is between Christine and Marion McPherson. Mm -hmm. And it is never overdone. It is never overbaked. Greta never goes out of her way to really dial home that they don't understand each other. Because, it, I don't know, again, I'm just rambling, but I love the detail where anytime someone criticizes Ladybird's mom to her face, she's like, oh no, she loves me so much, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And you can imagine that whenever a friend at work asks Marion how her daughter Christina's doing, she's just effusive about her. Oh, she's in the play. Right. Oh, she got into UC Davis. Um, she's doing great. Mm-hmm. Like, because they both love each other so much. Right. But the film demonstrates how much they love one another, not to their faces, but how they speak about one another right. um, to other people and, and in other ways
1: too. Yeah. I mean, Family is complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a fun way to relive Ladybird if you're unable to rewatch it, a, a fun way to rewatch it without rewatching it is just listen to the 23 minute score. Um, mm. it's, it's great it's, music in this movie too. It's, and I really there's only 23 minutes of mu- music in this movie. So it's a quick breeze by and, and, you know, you get this, this piece of score where she's on the phone call and it ruins mm. you. Even just listening to it, it ruins I you. I love the... This is burr, burr,
2: burr. Burr, burr. Yes. With yeah, the credits. Oh, yeah. Fuck the, you, Mom. The, yeah, <laughs> on the cast. Oh, so and then bad. it repeats that same cue when she takes off for New York. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. Like, we've yes. gotten through the sadness. <laughs> and, and what's and also great right is, is that
1: there is a 17-second <laughs> piece called LB slash Danny, mm-hmm. which is the... First inkling of the reconcile song, which is when she calls her mom, which is interesting. That is interesting. It's only 17 seconds. You it's just barely there. And then it's the full theme when she gives the phone call. Speaks to my point about
0: Greta Gerwig's economy of feeling Mm -hmm. in this film. Oh yeah, baby.
1: Okay, anyway, Lady Bird, my favorite movie of the year. Um, and the minute I saw it, I knew it would not be topped. Okay, thank you.
0: Shall we say our number ones in unison? Sure. Ben? We shall. Please Number do. one, Phantom, Phantom thread. thread. Do, 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 <laughs> do. Cue the score.
2: When you said that uh, the cheese scene in The Quiet Passion was the funniest scene of the year, I was going to be like, but there's another cheese scene that is equally hilarious. That's why I said it's, it's the second funniest water pouring scene mm-hmm. of the year. Yeah. Uh, oh. What else? All right, are, what, do, Wood- what, what do we have to say? We already have a six-hour podcast on Phantom Thread.
1: <laughs> All right, Alma and Woodcock, what do you have to say?
0: Okay. I love... Well, I'm sure we'll talk about craft in a second and we'll keep it tight, but I love a motion picture that is about a relationship, about a romance. And rather than talking about the ways in which these two people elevate each other to new heights and, and help them discover new things about themselves, which is in the script, mm-hmm. but the tact it chooses to take is how masochistic a relationship can be and is, mm-hmm. and how that is a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And about how the push-pull power dynamic of a relationship, that toxic back and forth,
2: mm-hmm.
0: is a beautiful and essential thing. Yeah. And a bunch of other stuff too. Yeah. But just to say, yeah, I love that as a subversive quality to this film's romance.
2: I think what this movie says, that also Lady Bird says, is that uh, relationships are crunchy. <laughs> and... Yeah. Uh, not everything is gonna go smoothly, but that doesn't mean you don't love each other. No, even yeah. if they're biting the spoon when they eat mm-hmm. their cereal, <laughs> even if they're pouring the water from six feet above the cup, even
0: if when they butter their toast it sounds like a horse is running across the room, <laughs>
3: so, um, the
0: interruption
2: stays with me. <laughs> Entirely r- too much movement at breakfast. It really rivals Lady Bird in its one-liners. Yeah, it's humor. Oh, with your
0: rules and your and your games and and your money and there's a great line that got cut out of this movie that's in the trailer and it's, really? and it's Vicky Krieps saying you're not cursed you're loved by me and oh, it's my wow. favorite and it's not Ooh, in the fucking movie it's not in the saying? movie? it's not in the movie I don't even remember that in the trailer I'll hashtag at never cursed well, is that the hashtag they're using for this movie? I, I think be. so it should be <laughs>
1: um it's <sighs> <laughs> I
0: think we've talked about this movie so much. Just I mean, listen to our
1: two-hour podcast. Yeah, episode. You're about to hear five it. minutes
0: of just, <laughs> <laughs> just a
1: lot of sighing. It's just a perfect <sighs> movie. It's
0: a perfect movie. Um, it's elegant. It's, it's hilarious. Hitchcock. It's Douglas Sirk. It's. It is a movie where the characters <sighs> fueled story. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a movie that. It
2: reminds me of Fassbender. Oh, it's just like all of the great. Melodramists yeah. of all time. It reminds me.
0: I, I just think it's really remarkable that this movie is essentially a power triangle of characters, and the thrust of the dramatic tension is in what people feel about one another. What is said, what is not being said, what needs to change, what isn't being changed. And that's what hooks your attention as a viewer. It's not the fact that, like, he's working on uh, Barbara Rose's dress. Mm-hmm. Like, in another movie, that is like the uh, that is the bridging device of the whole thing. Right, we get a little bit of that with the Princess of Belgium, but it's still completely beside the point. Like mm-hmm. it only exists for him to fall onto eventually, right. and for mm-hmm. Alma to get jealous over. Mm-hmm. It is still all about the character psychology and the unsaid bridge of spies between them. oh well, yes. <laughs> um... What's the picture com
1: Just that.
0: Well, <laughs> Got we a bridge. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing, boys. Tell me. We've talked for two hours and 40 minutes. Tell me. We talked about Phantom Thread for an hour and 50 minutes yeah. <laughs> in a
2: previous podcast. In like the previous podcast. It's the best picture. So it's, fresh. it's
0: the best picture of the year. Um, watching it in 70 millimeter is an experience. If you have an opportunity to do that, I hope mm-hmm. you're able to. If you're not, it's still perfect. Um, I think that this is PTA's best film since There Will Be Blood. Um, I find it to be intoxicating, rapturous. Be since the master, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Ben doesn't seem to have anything else to say about it, so I don't, I'm not going to keep talking. Well, do you have something
2: more to say? No, I just want to read our combined top ten real quick.
0: Oh yes, yeah, so Ben, Ben has crunched Ooh, the numbers.
2: Yes, I did. I moneyballed this. <laughs> I Hell used, yeah! I used maths, as Sir Ronan would say. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. She's British. Yes, I love that. Well, she's not British. She's Irish. She's Irish. She's Irish. Okay. Irish. Top 10. Number 10, A Quiet Passion. Woo. Number 9, A Ghost Story. Number 8, Personal Shopper. Number 7, The Florida Project. And number 6, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Number 5, Get Out. Number 4, Faces Places. Number 3, Lady Bird. Number 2, Call Me By Your Name. And number 1, Phantom Thread. How is Im- number 1 fan. Oh, The yeah. impact of okay. our number 1s. Because <laughs> it's a 2 and you gave of it five. our number 1s. <laughs> <Yeah. ones. laughs> it's the all
0: right it's the rating <laughs> champ unmistakable okay. winner yeah. um I w-
2: the the top four uh which are like Phantom thread call me by your name lady bird faces places like they're very close distribution and then there's
1: a drop off but yeah it's very close nice
2: um which are
1: my top four if you Who managed you? Medi- me you're the median what? which is your top four you. is the your mean. top four?
2: Not in the same order.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. But yes.
2: Well, I
0: mean, apart from A Quiet Passion and I guess, well, and then BPM of Lost City of Z, I've got, um, you know, I've got seven of those ten in my own.
1: Get Out was on there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Anything, any final thoughts before we close out? Just at-
0: a tremendous thank you to anyone who's listened to all three yeah. hours of this. Oh, like, Yeah. It's fun to listen to the three of us film facts <laughs> lose steam <laughs> as
1: it goes on. We're just like, oh Oh, god. Oh. Talk about Phantom Thread again. <laughs> Jesus. Um okay, well, this has been Movies IMO. I'm Brandon Kirby. What? What's your at?
2: Huh?
1: Oh, you oh. Where can we find you on the web? On the World Wide Web. Oh right. Um at BK Kirby. Also, Movies IMO is on Twitter at Movies IMO. Please. Subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher um, and rate us five stars because you love us. Thanks. I'm Ben MB. You can find me on Twitter at RealToddHaines
2: where I will be tweeting about Phantom Threat. <laughs> I'm Daniel Crook.
0: I'm on the internet at Daniel Crook with three O's. And I would also encourage you to please rate, review, and subscribe because I can't stand the silence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wanted to say
2: oh. on um on our spreadsheet where I, where we plan our episodes and we list things that we're going to talk about, before I saw a fandom thread, I listed my top ten movies of the year. Fandom <laughs> thread, fandom thread, fandom <laughs> thread. <laughs> Prophetic.
0: I love it.
1: I
2: love it. I love it.
0: What are we talking about um, next?
1: So our next episode... Um, Is going to be uh, in three days. Um, we're talking about the Oscar nominations, so it's going to be a special episode released Thursday instead of the usual Monday. Yeah. Yeah. So stay tuned for us, probably. Bitching personally, I can't about snubs. I can't wait to get excited about Mark Hamill's Best Supporting
0: Actor nomination, Cynthia Nixon's Best Actress yeah. nomination, Kim and he's Kim and he's going to totally <laughs> sweep up in Best Actress. She's going to get like six nominations J- for the one performance. We're going to see Bong Joon-ho <laughs> wow. in the Best Director category, Phantom yeah. Thread the runaway favorite in Best Picture, and Mike
1: White is going to slip in for Best Original Screenplay. Yes. Can't wait! I
0: can't wait to eat that for dinner. And uh, yeah, I'm sure no one's going to be upset. No. Um. I'm sure that no one's going to be asking, how come? Ugh.
2: Thank I think you. That's the end. <laughs> it's been
0: a great year in cinema. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.
2: <laughs> the winner is Jane Fonda.
3: Thank you. Thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much.